0: here at the what you've been watching podcast I am your host the totally tubular there it is marvelous Mike Dudley there it is I've missed those descriptions (laughs) joined as always by my cohort
1: and younger brother MD3 Marcus Dudley checking in on you live from the shadows of Bragg Memorial Stadium down here in Tallahassee Florida
0: What's going on out there in podcast land? Thank you for joining us. Oh, that's a local reference. You gotta, you gotta know the area to get that one. That's right. That's You're right. zeroing in on our on our location. I don't like it. I know. It's selling yeah. secrets. We're out here somewhere <laughs> in the general Leon County area.
1: <laughs> but we're also up in your ear holes. We thank you for joining us. Michael, my brother, what you been up to,
0: man? How's life? It's been going good, man. It's been going real good. Work has been uh, on the uptake. Uh... Currently talking to a lady, so we'll see how that one goes. Okay. Uh, I want to give a shout-out now because, you know, we'll find out. She might have a penis. I don't know. Even so. (laughs) I mean, that's cool. You know, that's cool, baby. But uh, you tried to grease me up, and that was was too cool. Oil me up. (laughs) That's not cool.
1: Go ahead and check that bingo box for your ladies' man reference. We're just going to hit you full throttle today. Yeah. Oh, man. Hit the ground running. Yeah, man. I am doing wonderful myself because I know you're about to ask. But, yep. Um... Florida State, trounced Miami. The I know what
0: thinking. you've been watching. Oh, that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But
1: that's, I won't spend too much time on that. But yeah, go Knowles. We, we embarrass Miami down there. She's saying it sucks to be you. Yes, it does indeed. Um, so my brother, before we get into all of that, here's the million dollar question. Here's the one that everybody tunes in for. The aptly named title of the show. What you been watching, my guy? Uh,
0: recently re No Country for Old Men. Amazing movie. I mean, I, I tell you what, man. I think those Cohen brothers, those, uh, those those young upstarts, they're ones to watch. We've circled back to it to
1: <laughs> update you after watching Oh Brother, Where Art Thou. Saying, Maybe there's something to these young cats. No, it's it's somebody uh, I know like favorite movie. Like, they, oh, I'm if sure it's, it's on TV. I'm sure it's a they lot of yeah, favorite movies. Yeah, like they yeah. can't help
0: themselves to watch it if it's on. It's it's wonderfully, beautifully shot. It's it's filmmaking minimalism at at its best in a way that's not really seen a lot like everything on screen is so simple and so like there there's not a wasted item on screen does that make sense like essentially sometimes it's just one person looking at another one but the use of screen and space and time like there's no wasted momentum that entire movie yeah every pause in there is so def- i'm gonna say that again so I don't snap over it There's no wasted momentum on that movie. No, you're good. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, we like our hand gestures here. Watching, watching. Um, Yeah,
1: no. There's. I mean, you can tell those guys know what they're doing, man. The timing of that, and those two, Josh Brolin and um, Javier Bardem, are so locked into what they're doing on that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's
0: those two. It's a master class, and those two guys executed it perfectly. So, and I, I, I love how essentially it's, it's a cat and mouse story it's 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 the great western of of the bounty hunter trying to collect on on the outlaw Um, and then of course you have the 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 evergreen you know perennial good guy sheriff who just wants to do the right thing and isn't looking for fame or glory just just wants justice in the world and then the last 10 minutes it just spirals into nihilism where tommy lee jones just walks away and he's like nope i don't understand this world anymore I'm done. Yeah, I just walked into, yeah, a straight bloodbath. Is, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know, spoiler alert, but, you know, Josh Brolin dies, and, and Javier Bardem sort of kind of gets away, but not really, and, like, it's a whole fucking thing. Like,
1: Yeah, I, I'll say this. The scene where Josh Brolin is um, running from the dog, when he sees oh, yeah. the dog swims across the river, that fucking dog is so locked. That is such a tense scene because that dog is steady moving in that river, just coming, and he's trying to clean his gun and get oh, it to work. Oh, it's like jaws. Oh, the second that dog lunges, <laughs> bow like that is one of the most tense scenes you will ever see. It
0: is so good. And whoever that I, I would say one of my favorite scenes in that is when uh Javier Bardem's character, uh Anton Chigurh, uh, captures Woody Harrelson's character. I can't remember his name. It's Woody, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> but Yeah, but it's Woody Harrelson. But they have that whole uh, uh, showdown in in Woody Harrelson's uh, uh, um, hotel room. And it's just Javier Bardem being like, you're fucked. There's no way out of this. There's nothing you can do. Just tell me what I want to know and you can die with some dignity. And like Woody Harrelson tries all these different angles of like, listen, I know where the money is. We can go get it. I can just walk away, whatever it is you want to do. And like... As soon as the phone rings and Javier Bardem knows that it's, uh, Josh Brolin's character calling to check in with, with, with the Woody Harrelson character, he's like, the look on his face, he's just like, I know I'm fucked. I got nothing left. Like that was the one ace in the hole I had and it just got played. He just saw my card. I'm fucked. Yep. He's, he's incredible in that movie, man. Um. It's so real. Like it,
1: everybody in that is phenomenal. The first time you see Josh, that, the movie, and you see Josh Brolin buy the the hotel, both suites, one right next to the other, uh-huh. and he slides it through the. And you're like, oh shit, this dude is on because he knows. He's like, when he leaves, what's his his name's Marielle or something. Like, what's his name in it? Luell. Luell. Yeah. And he leaves his wife or whatever, and she kind of knows it. Like, what did you do? <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. And he knows, like, all right, this is going to be a journey to the end. So, oh,
0: and he and every time he calls in with the wife, she calls him on like immediately. Her first line is always calling him on his bullshit. Like, the first time he calls, she's like, "You in trouble, ain't you?" And he's like, "Yeah, a little bit." Next time he calls and he's been shot, she's like, "You hurt, ain't you?" And he's like, "Yeah, a little bit." Third time, she's like, "You ain't coming home, are you?" And he's like. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, the money's definitely
1: not, not with the money. <laughs> no, that's a, such a good movie, man. But how did you feel about the ending of that movie the first time you saw it? Because a lot of people loved the movie up to that point and thought it was incredibly anticlimactic. I loved it personally because it's I, it's just the fact that you see it through
0: Tommy Lee Jones's lens and he's just like, I don't understand this world anymore. Like I just walked into it. it admittedly, it, admittedly, it did take me the second time, second or third time viewing it to really latch onto it. But that being said, his character lays the groundwork through the entire movie. Like, he's constantly reading the paper and talking about, like, look at this, you know, this couple was taking hitchhikers and backpackers outside of Dallas and torturing them and this, that, the other. Like, I just don't understand this world. Then he has another conversation with, you know, one of the older, uh, uh, like, the old sheriff of of the small West Texas town. Both of them have a conversation about, like, you know, I just, I see all these green hairs and piercings and you know, punkers walking around and I don't understand this and everybody's okay with, you know, like whatever happened to the common decency. So it it really is a story about the dying of the West. And so sort of the old cowboy throwing his hands up at at the last minute and being like, you know what? The West is done. I don't understand this world anymore. But He's already sort of a- acknowledged that, like he—he—the he, entire movie, he's acknowledging that he has one foot out the door anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. Now, I—I I think
1: that was really well described. Yeah, it's like you know they're renovating these towns, these ghost towns for gold anymore. We have a Federal Reserve now, and it's just right. like it's—it's it's not what you think it is, and your way of life is slowly leaving you. But um, it's a brilliant movie, the man. I think it's a lot like. They're a little bit more direct than that movie, I think, but it's a lot like The Godfather, like you were saying, in the sense of like every pause. There's a lot of subtleties, very like you said, looks on character faces right, that right. says a lot without them saying it. Yes, that yes. upon your first viewing might kind of throw you off, but upon viewing it again after you know what happens, you can really pick up on some of the subtleties and hand motions and like mm-hmm. the the way that um, Anton uh, Javier Bardem is fucking with people, and he really is just out. of... like he loves the act of killing. This isn't just like. You can tell he is enjoying what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He is a, a weapon that is This kind of like they talk about in Hawkeye, where he's like, I'm a weapon, you just got to point me in the right direction. Right. And right. that's what this guy is. It's like, oh, this dude's a maniac. They just have control of whatever this mafia is or this cartel has over him. They're just pointing him in the right direction, but oh, he's, yeah, he he yeah. is very much so. This isn't like a hey buddy, this is
0: just a job. I got to do what I got to do. He is right at home doing this. Well, he, the yeah, entire he, movie. He, he's a surgeon. He knows exactly where to cut around to yep. to get to the, the the end result that he needs. But in the same breath, he's not he's not afraid to. In in a weird way, he he's a man of his word because he tells Llewellyn, you know, you can prevent this if you bring me the money right now. I promise you I I will leave your wife out of this. But if I have to track you, I'm going to go through her. And even if I catch up to you or you catch up to me before that happens, I'm still going to go after her because I promised you I would. And he damn sure does. And he damn sure does. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) He does, uh, Josh Brolin does plug him with that shotgun, though. That's, I love that scene. Oh, yeah. But then he goes and sets fire to the car at the pharmacy. <laughs> that's <laughs> such a bad, yeah, he plugs his ass, though, one time. That's so, right. He's like, oh, this dude can bleed. But no, That's a great movie, though, man.
0: So, eye out for those Cohen brothers. What would you rate it? No Country for Old Men. Uh, I'm going to rate it, let's see, one Rusty Sheriff's Badge. Ooh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean that in the butthole sense. I mean that in the like yeah the <laughs> actual, Western sense. Yeah. <laughs> that was a nice play on word there. That's what she did there. Uh man, well what else? I mean, other than that, man, just trying to kick up on my Battlestar Galactica. I won't bore you with that because you, you know you circle back to it finally. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Couldn't help yourself. I, I I mean, I I'm three and a half seasons into it or I'm sorry, two and a half seasons into it. Like I gotta finish the last season and a half. I just have to. Yeah. So Yeah. At this point, I'm just... It's out of obligation and <laughs> a need of completion. <laughs> yep. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I've been...
1: Uh, let's see. I haven't been doing much on that regards. I have been watching a little bit of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Nice. Which is always good. i um, still playing the Dragon Quest Eight. And uh, Aqua Teen's my jam, though, man. Aqua Teen is legitimately... That shit built Adult Swim. It was like that and Sea lab and... Some of those early, early shows, like the Brack Show and stuff like yeah, that.
0: Yeah, Space Ghost Coast. to Coast, Yeah, like yeah. the real early, early, yeah. early what stuff. Was the, what was the Johnny Quest knockoff? Um, Venture Bros. Venture Brothers. That's yeah, that cool. was a little bit later, but that was still pretty early
1: on. And that got canceled, came back, canceled, came back a bunch of times. Right. I actually have been dabbling in that. but <laughs> Those shows, man, like Adult Swim would not be what it was if it wasn't for those, man. like Space Ghost Coast to Coast was a, a hit. Oh, and yeah. Adult Swim yeah. only used to run for like a few hours, like Friday, Saturdays, whatever it was, and then it was, you'd get the Brack Show, and like Zorak had his interview mm-hmm. show for a little mm-hmm. bit, and then it was Aqua Teen and C, uh, C-Lab 2021. Mm-hmm. Frisky Dingo came like, yeah, that, you know, that, was, that was way later. Yeah. But yeah, and then but. they started knocking out, like once they really got to be able to syndicate Family Guy, that's yeah. when that really was like, okay, we can do Futurama and Family Guy and American Dad, and that's when it was like, then we can throw some of our, more obscure shows on in the midnight slot of and that was like when all the new aqua teens were coming out right, like, right right you right know, right and then they're like oh we can start playing anime on saturdays and that's just what it was and it right. took off but right. those early shows those aqua teens and stuff uh. if you like your rick and mortys and you like all your other adult swim shows so your boondocks you got to go back and pay homage but um yeah so i've been going back and watching some of those um the early seasons especially it's, it's my jam and I put it on a while ago and Angie was like, What the hell is this? Aqua TV show show, baby. Aqua TV show show. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, that's that's a great one. I watched a little bit of robot chicken too. Been watching kind of mindless stuff again, keeping up with sports. Um while I mentioned it earlier, watched the Seminoles deal out a crushing blow (laughs) to the Miami Hurricanes, which was just poetry. Um I love the fact, and I'm not going to bore you guys with making this a sports podcast, but ultimately what brought me great joy is that there were so many recruits for Miami in the building, and Florida State was like, I'm going to tell you that you shouldn't go to that school down there, and for the next hour, I'm going to show you why. <laughs> and boy, do they show them 45 points to three later. It was like, ooh.
0: Yeah, they got campuses on the beach, but
1: uh, hold my beer. Hold my, yeah. And they just trounced. And that place was empty as
0: fuck by about the midway through oh, the second dude. quarter. It was empty. I, I, I left work probably like right at the beginning of the third quarter. Like we, we That's when we finally started shutting down. I, I passed by the TVs and was just looking at the vastness. The, <laughs> the empty stands. All of them painted orange and green. And yep. I was like, oh, you hate to see it. You hate yeah. to see it. Yeah. No, it was great. Listen, day. I'm not huge on football and sports balls and things like that. But when FSU trounces Miami, especially 45 to 3, I got to take a little joy in that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love to see my city get its own, so. Yeah,
1: and you, we don't, I, We haven't seen it a lot. Just two years ago, they fucking hammered us. So just within two years, we've swung it around, so. And I know blowouts are boring as shit to watch. Right, but the 92 team, though, Right, right. 92 right. team, 92. Yeah. No, but fucking blowouts are not fun to watch unless it's your team. But if it is your team against your hated rival, pile them up. Drop a 50-burger on them next time. (laughs) So, no, I've been kind of busy with that, just trying to keep up with work. And um, did go watch that documentary about the Eagles maybe this year again. And I will (laughs) say my description of it was perfect. And, again, I think anybody could enjoy it. It doesn't hurt you to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan, but... It is, a. I think in my personal opinion, it is a good documentary. I think anybody can watch, I watched, I got into, I mentioned on the podcast before I got into uh, documentaries about speed running, yeah. and video games, where yeah. ultimately what speed running is, is people trying to beat a video game as fast as humanly possible. Right. And before I watched one that just kind of popped up on my YouTube feed, I didn't give a fuck about the history of it. But the way that the information was presented made it really accessible. And you're like, Oh, I was hooked. I was like, This is the most captivating thing and human beings are incredible. The fact that we can match Mario and beat it as fast as humanly possible, like like down to the frame rate. Yeah, to the the frame rate. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Summoning Salt on YouTube if you're interested. He has really good ones. I wanna just give a shout out what I've been watching, but yeah. uh, But same thing with the Eagles documentary. It's it's interesting to see how it affects a city as a whole through the lens of about four people. But yeah, it's Watch that again in my excitement.
0: I mean, I've, I've always said that if you get Sigourney Weaver or uh, David Attenborough Morgan, to... Uh,
1: what's his name? Um, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to narrate something. I almost say like, Tracy Morgan.
0: <laughs> now see these penguins! <laughs> <laughs> see how they trying to make love? See how they slapping their belly? That's the mating call. Yeah, I love Tracy Morgan. <laughs> Talk about, no. it. Talk about a guy who's just naturally funny.
1: That
0: guy. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. But I've always said, uh, if you get one of those people to, to narrate something, like, it could be on how to make shoelaces, and I'd be like, you have me for the next 30 minutes, sir. Yeah. Please. Yeah. <laughs> did I, I want to hear Tracy Morgan <laughs> doing <it> that. <there. laughs> I won't look, do it. On look me. at the majestic whale. <laughs> Liz Lemon. Did you know that whale's
1: anyways that's enough impersonation you know the
0: blue whale has the biggest penis of any animal on the earth yeah check the uh bad check Trace- the size of that little, little.
1: <laughs> go ahead and check your bingo box for bad Tracy Morgan impression <laughs> it wasn't on there before but it is now you might get it once an episode because it's a really fun to do uh, did I mention I watched Rush Hour last podcast I don't think you did bro went back and watched Rush Hour if I haven't I'll talk about it briefly just in case I talked about it last one I don't remember fucking incredible movie Perfectly cast, was it, dude? Jack, Rush Hour is perfectly cast. Like Chris Tucker is brilliant in that. <laughs> Fucking Jackie Chan is, I will say this, one of the greatest entertainers. Oh, hands down. We have ever been graced with hands down. Whether he's serious or not, or we watch, yeah, watch Super Cop as well. That's what got me. <laughs> in. Super Cop's that shit now. <laughs> Michelle
0: yells yeah, that. Fuck Fred Astaire. Yeah. Dude, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Fuck Marlon Brando. <laughs> uh,
1: for real, like in terms of a if a movie actor. St- his ability Charlie Chaplin's a hack he's a hack he's a bum <laughs> Buster Keaton bunch of fucking hobos out there tripping around in silent film
0: W.C. Fields can kiss my ass right, right. but
1: you no know, if you talk about just in terms of like sheer entertainment I love that all of our references are like <laughs> 1920s talkies <laughs> like Marx Brothers <laughs> ass up there Abbott <laughs> Costello fuck them fuck them But no, in all seriousness, no. But like, if you talk about just in terms of longevity of Jackie Chan, Mm. dude's been doing it since he was in Enter the Dragon. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he's been hit after hit after hit, and giving his body and mind to you, the people, for decades, and he fucking brings it every time. And Rush
0: Hour is brilliant. Like, well, I mean, you you don't get to you know the Tony Jaws of the world. You don't get to the Tom Cruises of the world. You don't get to the Any of of the modern, you know, the Matrix, like, it all starts with Jackie Chan. Yeah, Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan. Bruce Lee kicked open the door, but Jackie Chan was the one who came in and was like, oh, this is how you pave the golden road. This is it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he's so well-liked. Like, I've never
1: met anybody that's like, oh, fuck that movie. Like, Jackie Chan's that dude, man. Yeah, everybody likes him. He seems really fun in all of his interviews and everything. Like, he's that dude, but... Rush Hour, again, I know this might be played out because you might like remember it, but like just going back and listening to some of the jokes that I haven't heard in a while, Chris Tucker is perfectly cast in that movie. <laughs> he really is. When he's like, they offer him a badge to be, on LA, on, to be on the FBI, and he's like, all right, go ahead and take that badge, and you just shove it up in your ass.
0: <laughs> all, all up in your ass. ass.
1: I'm LAPD, man. <laughs> just walks off. <laughs> it was fucking brilliantly delivering. All up in your ass. And the look he gives him, brilliant. And like the fact that he's like Lee, Lee, like forty percent of that movie is just him yelling. Lee, Him just reactionary Lee! shots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna kick you. Which one of y'all hit me? Like he's so quick with it. He's really perfectly cast. So talk about it as an entertaining movie all the way around. Go back and watch Rush Hour. I'm gonna go back and watch two and three. Was that the
0: Brett Ratner joint? Brett or? Ratner joint. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. He did. Uh, yeah, he did the Rush Hour trilogy, which allegedly they're all three of them.
0: Yeah. Right on.
1: Yeah, that's his big claim to fame. At one point,
0: Chris... Well, took... I mean, he's got a few other claims to fame. I mean, let's not... Yeah. No, no, that's... <laughs> no, it's also Burt Ratner. <laughs> no. Wait, oh, yeah. No,
1: you're thinking of... um. Who's the... David Singer? But also Burt Ratner. Oh, yeah, they were both in it? Oh, yeah. Uh, well... <laughs> well, maybe then. Yeah, he's got a couple other infamous claims. But, um... Yeah, no, that movie's fucking great, though. But, um, yeah, so other than that, though, speaking of ninjas and action and things like that... Let That's us... a hell of a segue, sir. I know, man, but we were talking about kung fu. We are going to take a trip back in Tizai time, time, time. Come with us as we go back to the early 90s when ninjas were all of the rave. <laughs> when you could not get away from ninjas being on your television screen, whether it be Batman or the Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. or And yes, Batman's a ninja. Yeah. Or the Power Rangers. Or... Three Ninjas or Surf Ninjas. <laughs> Big Bad Beetle Boards. Yep, uh... all of that. We are talking about a series, a franchise that is so dear to all everyone in my generation's heart and one that has stood the test of time, that has continually made new mm-hmm. films and new fans. And it's one of those things where even when you see it and you go, okay, well I can tell that this this version of this franchise isn't for me. You still know in your heart that you're glad that it's still around. Right. right. What could we be talking about? If you haven't figured it out by the title, we are talking about the great franchise, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
0: Turtle Power!
1: That's right. The heroes in a half shell themselves. <laughs> Michael and I have done the hard work, the arduous task the scientific research of going back and watching not only one ninja turtles films not just two not two ninja turtles films but in with it all three of the original ninja turtle films trilogy and we are here to That's report. over
0: 88 minutes of research <laughs> just for you.
1: <laughs> oh man. But yeah, that is what we are going to talk about today. Um,
0: where do you want to start, man? Uh, what you want to do? I mean, let's start at the beginning, and when we reach the end, stop. That's, uh, that's so... Right. We'll You're going to hear
1: a little bit of paper shuffling as we pass notes around, so right. please bear with us on that. We don't have a better system for this yet, because we're not technologically
0: sound like this. Listen, you know what this was. You so, like it dirty. You know. <laughs> look. So, so, we'll start at the first movie. And so we'll, we'll, kinda, we'll we're not
1: we'll, just going to go movie for movie, we're just going to kind of talk all three as a whole. Uh, We might touch on them specifically at times, but we're not going to play beat for beat.
0: Uh, So, I'm actually going to go a little bit before that and talk about the very beginning. We're going to talk about uh, March 1984, uh, the very first comic printing of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series by Eastman and Laird. Yes, brilliant. Um, It was originally designed to be sort of a parody send-up of everything that was happening in Marvel at the time. Um, literally the ooze that transformed the Ninja Turtles is rumored to be the exact same ooze that gave Daredevil his powers in the, in the same tra- in the same accident. Bet you um, all didn't know that, by the way. Bet you didn't know that. Nerd. Uh, you know, the, the the they fight the Foot Clan and Daredevil fought the Hand. Yep. Um, Splinter is, uh... Stick. It, it, right, right. Daredevil was trained by a, a man named Stick. Uh, even Shredder is a little bit, um supposed to be derivative of Kingpin in terms of of Japanese mafia kind of thing. Um, Yeah, so 1984, original comic book comes out. 1987, the the, the TV show comes out, which is, I think, where you and I originally got into the the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was through the cartoon series.
1: I was born in 86, all right? right? Okay. And so... I don't remember a time in my life that the Ninja Turtles weren't a part of it. Right. Like, right. some of my earliest, earliest like stuffed animals, I had a giant uh, Michelangelo that was like a body pillow. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that. That's right. Yeah. I, I still have them somewhere. Um, every toy I remember having, because Michael was also into that as well, Every I've always had Ninja Turtles toys my whole life. If we had video on this podcast, <laughs> you could see that in the closet <laughs> directly behind Michael is a box full of toys that, again, in my childish youth that I still maintain, refuse to throw away. There's Ninja <laughs> Turtles in there right now. Um, I don't... I remember watching on VHS Ninja Turtles cartoons, and I also had the original Superman cartoons, with Faster Than a Speeding Bullet. Right, 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 right. The whole, like, it, 1940s... It was Max Fleischman? Yeah, 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 yeah Max yeah. Fleischman, yeah. 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 Max Fleischman cartoons, I remember those, and have the Ninja Turtles. But Ninja Turtles was also being aired on Fox, like, constantly, so... Dude, I had a healthy, healthy, healthy diet. So <laughs> as
0: long as I can remember the Ninja Turtles have been a part of my life. So I like I remember like riding bikes in the neighborhood and you would look at your like Casio Ninja Turtles, fl- you know, flip head watch, and you'd be like, Oh my god, it's 350, Ninja Turtles is on in 10 minutes, and whatever you were doing that day, you stopped. You went to the nearest friend's house or your house or wherever it was. And you went watch Ninja Turtles like it was literally the thing that would stop all the kids in the neighborhood. Like, nope, it's four o'clock. Got to go see what those wacky turtles are up to this week. And they were up to no good. I, and speaking of which, I was just being born in
1: '96 or '86 was dope as hell because <laughs> Batman came out in '89. Uh-huh. We had Ninja Turtles that were already a thing. The Power Rangers hit in like '91. Batman the animated series hit in like '91. It's so like my yeah. whole life. Those things were cool as shit. Like, <laughs> I was the target audience for shit that was rad as hell and is still rad as hell to this day. You have had a pretty radical life. Like, dude. Batman 89 was out and it was the thing to do. It wasn't like there was no quiet being a Batman fan. So, like, maybe that's why. I- I've always been so proud about this because I right. hit it like this golden time of like, oh shit, some of this stuff's cool as hell. <laughs> I went away for a long time. But sure, sure. Anyways, yeah. yeah during yeah. the mid 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It got tough for a while. You came running back. <laughs> now who's the champion? Right. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so, sorry, I know I stole a lot of your thunder there, but the comic book came out.
0: Yeah, comic book came out in 84. Uh, TV series came out in 87 and ran for, I want to say like six seasons, five seasons. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but I say all that just to give you the, the, uh, prequel, the, the, the run-up to where we're going to talk, talk about. And that is the very first Ninja Turtles movie circa 1990 directed by Steve Barron, who trivia, was also the director of. Hold on, give him a second to think about it. It's two very iconic music videos. Think about what music videos. I wish I had the research up right now. I tell you, but uh, mid '80s bangers, straight bangers, classic. Not just that, but the music videos themselves are absolutely iconic. Think about it. Hit them with like that. "Take on Me" by Aha. Yep. And "Billie Jean" by Michael Jackson. That guy directed the Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> There's some trivia, I bet you didn't know, because we didn't either. But you hear that? You know what that is? That's research. That's, That's what that is. is. <laughs> Putting in the man hours. So you don't have to. Yep. Yep. So yeah. Uh dude, let's just let's get into it. What, what 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 were your thoughts on the on the first movie?
1: Okay. I'll say it how I loved it as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I watched it again, and I fucking love this movie still. (laughs) The first one is a fucking great movie. Yes. Ninja Turtles 1, I don't care. It holds up, man. Like, I I really don't care. Like, yes, obviously, there's live action stuff, whatever, whatever, that they could do better now. But, like, in terms of Jim Henson doing his thing in the play shop that they have, yeah, I mean, you can see the progress throughout the other movies that it's gotten better in some ways. But, like, this movie fucking rules, man. Like, you... If you suspend your disbelief that they're not puppets and you just accept them as the being real characters, they really do kind of ground them and each one of them has a distinct personality and you oh, can yeah. tell the whole family dynamic between each of the Turtles and Splinter. And I fucking love this movie though. Like, but if, this is not just my childhood nostalgia. It is because I can't stop it. <laughs> but I legitimately went back and watched this movie and was
0: like, damn, I feel like that movie really holds up, man. I. You're not wrong. I, I, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna endorse all of what you just said. I think it's a really well crafted movie. It's not breaking any new ground by any stretch of the imagination, but at least it's done competently, and at least it's like the progression of shots makes sense. The editing makes sense. Like you you have a real awareness of of progression of story and where you fit into it. You know, um, and quite frankly aesthetically it looks really good like you were talking about just suspend your disbelief it's not that hard to do no because it's not. the costumes are for what they were at the time really 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 good like the the, the the facial expressions and the fact that they could individually move the turtle's lips and eyelids and teeth and and you know you know all that good stuff and show all this wide range of emotion and then on top of it you had you know, people who are performing, you know, "quote unquote" ninja moves. You know, it's right. it's very highly stylized. You know, drop kicks and rolls and stuff like that. But yeah. like, they're moving around like like an agile, you know, ath- you know, athletic person. And so, so it kind of makes sense that like you buy into like, oh no, these are actual real creatures. Yeah, I mean, they're seventy pound rubber
1: suits and I, animatronics as well. But I mean. It fucking holds up though, man. Like I, I, dug this movie. I was, I was in it from the word jump. Like, again, I, I fired up and I felt like I was at home again. Um. So where do you want to go from there? Let's think. Uh, what do you want? What did you like about it? Like besides, I know you talked about it being aesthetically pleasing.
0: But like, what is it that? Did it just tickle a nostalgia feel? Is why you liked it? Or did I mean, you have, of course. Yeah. Again, like, we I can't wouldn't be talking it. about it if we didn't. But I, I actually do like that it's a really well told origin story. That although the, the original markets, well, the comic book was not so much for kids, but the cartoons and stuff like that got marketed towards kids, and then the movie came out. I, I like that it leaned into both aspects of that in terms of it kept it just lighthearted enough and 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 quippy enough and, and you know, Michelangelo and Donatello making like, you know, stupid puns and joking back and forth, but then also you bring in you know one of them almost gets killed and and splinter's origin story of of loss and tragedy and his seeing his master killed in front of his eyes like they they blended enough of the comic book and the and the cartoon version to make it a palatable uh palatable flavor f- across all ranges
1: yeah it it definitely does have dark elements to it in the sense of and we'll talk about it a little bit later but like when the second movie was made mm parents everywhere were like, oh, not everywhere, but a lot of parents were like, oh, it's too violent. And they took out the word ninja when they um, shipped it overseas to the UK because they thought that it promotes violence and like
0: Michelangelo's nunchucks were banned. because they were the Teenage Mutant Hero hero Turtles. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Because they thought ninja was too aggressive, basically. Yeah,
1: and so, but it definitely leans into it, man. Like the scene, there's a scene um, later on, watch the movie if you haven't because we're not, Right. we we'll wait. Be we'll wait. Me. That shit was awesome. That right? shit was dope. That <laughs> shit was dope. I don't care why she said that shit was dope. But like the scene, and it's, you were talking about like they do ground the, the turtles as best they can into being real characters. Mm-hmm. And like the scene where Raphael's yelling into the nothingness of New York, that shit
0: gives me chills, man. Oh, when uh, he gets his ass kicked by Casey Jones, and he's, uh, Casey Jones runs away, and he's like, come here, I'm not finished with you. Damn! And, like, they just draw out on the, on the like, wide shot of the city skyline and stuff, and so you hear it, like, echo throughout all the entire city. There's also a scene where he just yells,
1: like, this unbridled, like, rage just comes oh, from people. Oh, after they kidnap like, ah! Splinter. Yeah, yeah, after they kidnap Splinter, and he just, like, I just got up thinking about it. <laughs> but he, like, screams, and the camera kind of spins with him and vibrates. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah. Like, and he just, just lets it all out. And like, you feel for that fucking teenage mutant ninja turtle. <laughs> Because you can't just say that turtle he is, but he's so much more. But you feel for him in that moment, man. And that's such a good scene, dude. And like again, like you can only do so much with acrobatics in a seventy-pound suit. Like again, they're trying their
0: best, but man. sure, sure. But 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 again, they also do a really good job of the creators of the movie really understood how to hide their flaws and highlight the the you know their the The benefits or, or their best aspects like generally when the turtles are talking it's pretty pretty usually in heavy shadow just so that you can see like if the if the animatronic lips ex- don't exactly match up with the adr it's okay because they're all in shadows so nobody's paying attention to it but then on wide shots you have you know turtles flipping around and doing cartwheels and tumbling and stuff like that like yeah like some of the kicks and punches that they throw look kind of like restricted and kind of we telegraphed and, a little. Bit. Yeah, a little bit, but they're still doing the thing. Right. You know, it's still it's still you know some poor Hong Kong actor in a in a five foot tall suit doing the best that they can, and and it looks really really good. And and you know, like I said, I like some of the the, the real life uh, you know technical special effects more than I like. A lot of the CGI effects that have come later. Yeah, me too. I would agree with you on that one. Um, also, after
1: seeing the CGI ones, like again, I said earlier, I'm glad that whatever iteration of the turtles is currently in the on the market now. I'm never like, oh, that's not my turtles. Like, mm-hmm. it's not. But I'm also just like, I'm fucking glad the turtles are still around. Sure. Like, I was talking to a coworker today, and he's 24. And he was saying that, like, oh, I've known the, the turtles my whole life too. Right. And that is so cool. Like, he's 12 years younger than me. And he was just like, yeah, fucking, I love the turtles. Like, who yeah. doesn't? Right. It's like, yeah, it's good IP and it stands the test of time. <laughs> like, it just does. Um, but again, uh, I've also had, and we're going to be all over the map, just kind of talking about our love for the turtles as well. I've always had an idea uh, in my mind that everyone has a favorite Ninja Turtle. Mm-hmm. And it kind of corresponds to, it's a little bit of a personality test. And yeah, i would, we discussed this. Yeah, and there. I I would always say to people I'm like, "Who is your favorite Ninja Turtle?" and I'd always make a joke going, "There's no wrong answer, but there is a correct answer." <laughs> and so Michael, tell him who is your favorite Ninja Turtle and you could probably figure it out. I'll give you a second to
0: guess. Go ahead. It's 100% Michelangelo. Yeah, it 100% is. I mean, yeah, come on. He he's the fun one. Why why not? Okay. And And plus also Nunchucks? Like, you, can't... Bruce Lee used nunchucks. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, nunchucks are pretty rad. <laughs> um, I will
1: say, okay. So, with that being said, we'll get into each one individually. What do you, like, explain Michelangelo's personality. We're going to kind of talk about the family dynamic of these turtles, who are named after great Renaissance painters. <laughs>
0: Well, Michelangelo is basically... He's a party dude, first off, He is a party dude. It's not, you know, let's not song. bury the lead. Michelangelo is a party dude. He's a party dude. Uh, he's... How do I put this? He is... more he is, he is the turtle that lives the most in the moment. Absolutely. He... he it, a constant finder of joy and sarcasm and bitter irony... In, in the moment, no matter where he's at. And I think within the dynamic of the group, he understands that his role is to constantly de escalate the, the, the situation, especially in the first movie. Yeah. Um, like anytime Raphael and Leonardo start going head to head, he'll, you know, crack wise and try to, you know, bring the tension down, like even just a notch or whatever. Not always successful, not, not always a great reader of the room. No. But. There's something, there's something in his attempt in, in terms of his, it, it's wholehearted and it's, it's very heartfelt. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. He's very much so kind of like
1: we do with our podcast in the sense of like he, he probably understands or maybe he doesn't. He just choo- he chooses in a way not to look at what is wrong with the world and he's just oh, it's, like it's a world of constant distraction. Yeah, yeah, and I'll exactly. tell you this is going to get a little bit like therapy for a second. Well, I, I do the same thing, and I relate to him. He is not my answer to the previous question. Right. But I relate to him a lot in the sense of um, one of my biggest things is that I, I feel like I live in a world of distraction. Mm-hmm. And my biggest fear is that, hence why I fucking watch enough movies to start a fucking podcast <laughs> about it, or play enough video games, or distract myself with other things. My biggest fear is one day that the distractions don't work. Right. You know, and so Michelangelo is constantly satisfied with the most simple things And it's, like, a way of, you know, not being too dark, but, like, staving off the darkness, as it were. Sure, yeah. Being like, hey, dude, I'm happy right here in this moment. Like, what more do I need? I got my bros, I got my pizza, I got my skateboard. Like, let's tear it up, bro. Like, we're badass, we're ninjas, and we hit people with nunchucks, and, like, we're We're family,
0: we have a good time. Yeah, Yeah, you you and I were kind of talking about it a little bit before in terms of um, a lot of the turtles are trying to find their place in the world. And Michelangelo seems the least concerned with that in terms of you know why question existentialism when we could just play video games or why worry about my place in the world when fuck it dude let's just order a pizza and so it, he sort of gives all that up um not not in a it, not in a cynical or nihilistic kind of way just not like at all. he just he readily acknowledges that like oh those questions are way too big way too big and i can't it's not for me to to sit around and, and navel-gaze about it. You, you know, know I'd like, fuck you. that. I'd much rather just go, let's go skateboarding or whatever, you know. like Very much so. Everything you said was spot on. I want to
1: add to it if I can. Um, he's also, he probably, I would think, and this is a personality test that I'm guessing, probably wouldn't handle disappointment very well. Probably In the not. sense of, I think that he doesn't set his expectations of things too high, right? So he just lowers the bar constantly,
0: but he's happy with the lower bar. He's like, "Shit, I'm always winning." The bar is right here, dude. <laughs> right, like, right, right. Like we're but right also, here. also, also like sort of, I, th- I think he is self aware enough to realize that like he doesn't expect very much. So even when those expectations aren't met, it's he's like, not he, that much to fall from the floor. It, well, it, but it still hurts. Like, it's, yeah, it, yeah. like he still feels it, but. He, like I said, he's constantly distracted by the next thing anyway, so fuck it. Well, that didn't work out, then we're going to go do something else, you know? Yeah, no, that's that's spot on. So I think that is very apt of, like, when you, when you say
1: Michelangelo being your favorite. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that is the correct answer for you. It's not the <laughs> correct answer as the whole, which I'll, I'll get into here in a little bit. Um, but I will say this, though. One person who pivoted a lot... Um, between the first movie and the third movie and his iterations between the comic books and the, um, excuse me as we switch notes, uh, between the, the comic books and all the other iterations is Donatello. Yeah. And going back and watching this with an, a more scrutinous eye and an analytical eye of what I understand being one of three brothers and what I always thought was kind of like, again, not trying to make this therapy session, but like my role of kind of putting out fires is what I always felt like I had to do a lot. Mm-hmm. Donatello is the hero on some, and he he did evolve between the first movie. He was kind of like, kind of just like a little bit. Him and Michelangelo were kind of like two of a pair. It was like when mommy and daddy are over there fighting. Of like you know Raphael and Don and uh, Leonardo, mm-hmm. they're always fighting. Like hey, we're gonna go have our own fun, which I can relate to. Not right. necessarily like a, a parents arguing, but whether it be your brothers or if there's any kind of con- like conflict, he's just like let's just go over here and ignore that and all. He kind of looks out for Michelangelo in a like a middle brother to younger brother kind of mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of like, "Hey, dude, like I'm with you, like I'm down to ride." Like you can kind of tell he's the father to his game a lot, but um, Donatello is like I say, he's the hero in some man. He um, they kind of make him a
0: lot more nerdy and geeky and stuff like that as it goes on. Oh, like, th- by by the third movie, he's literally figuring out time travel on like. A compact eighty-five. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. Like, and in the 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 T to the cartoon, he was very much so like the computer guy and everything like that. And oh um, well, yeah, I mean he built the turtle mobile and like any of the, like he would, he was their cue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, their, like any gadgets they needed or any sort of like well we need to science our science like they just hand it to, hand Donatello. It to Donatello and he he kind of became taken for granted. For that
1: in other iterations, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about in the movie though. In the first one specifically, he's not really like that. They kind of hint at it a little bit, but he's he doesn't really. He's kind of like you can tell that he's there to kind of keep Mikey entertained and away from the dangers of
0: Raphael and Leonardo fighting. Well, he, Does that make any sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's meant to be the not dividing line but the 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 speed bump over Raph and and Leo's. Bullshit getting in the way of Mikey and and harming his harming him psychologically right so like so he also needs Michelangelo to be like dude I can't deal with these two fucking guys right all the right, time. right 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 and it, I mean we kind of talked about this a little bit but there's there's an interesting dynamic um, between the turtles in terms of th- there's a, a, a dichotomy of of there are the turtles who are very satisfied and staying hidden in the world and then there are the turtles who very much want to be a part of the human world and find their place and understand, like, you know, how they fit into society in general. Um, that is a constant theme, and that affects each and every one of their
1: personalities yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I will say this: I wrote down in my notes here, and this is I actually said this out loud when I was watching the movie. By the third movie, you're like Donatello is the most self actualized of all of the turtles, like mm-hmm. by far. Like yeah. he's the most well rounded. He's the most grounded, and he is by far the most consistent of just like, he knows where he's at, he's cool with it, and um, he kind of got there. He actually has a real cool story arc, if you pay attention through all three movies, if you assume that they're all connected. (laughs) One and two definitely are, but whatever. But let's just hypothetically say they are. There's a moment in the second movie where they're finding out, as the title describes, the secret of the ooze. The the, the goo that transformed them into the into from titular just, turtles into from baby turtles that were just turtles into the teenage mutant right. uh, ones that they are today and he Donatello's talking to Splinter and he's talking to the scientist that was works for the lab the TGRI or whatever it was that, that created the ooze in the first Do one about TGIF TGIF baby uh, Family Matters
0: exactly <laughs> Full exactly. House
1: but you know about TGIF used to be that shit to watch now <laughs> I reckon that was must TV <laughs> uh, I think that was that was Thursdays was must right, TV right anyways Tangent, tangent, tangent <laughs> right. um, but no, he's finding out the secret of the ooze, whatever, to go back to it, and he has this this real sincere and sweet moment where they find out that like he was made by pure accident. It was just random cause that the ooze came into the sewers. They happened to be there, and boom, right. they were disposing of the ooze. They were just doing it illegally, so it fell off a truck, and here you are today. Yeah. And he has this real moment and Michael, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal what he said because it fit it perfectly. He's like oh, shit, like, I'm here because the condom broke, and that's it, (laughs) like, that's it, and he talks to Master Splinter, and he's like, man, I just kind of thought that, like, maybe there was something more to it, like, I I thought
0: we, I thought we would always find out we were special, and, you know, Splinter tries to comfort him and says, well, you are special, like, that's not enough for Donatello, he's like, I'm, I'm here just simply because tragic happenstance, like, what the fuck? Yeah, and it's
1: it's kind of a tender moment that gets
0: glossed over in the like, in the silliness
1: of the second yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. but like
0: if you really think about what goes on there. Like I I made the analogy of like, you know, it's like you always grew up and it's like, "Oh, my mom was always home and she was, you know, always such fun and, you know, we always had such good times." And then you find out like, "Oh no, your mom was home all the time because she had a crippling drug problem and couldn't hold down a job, so she just stayed home all day." And then you're like, Oh my God! That's why she took so many naps. Like, it's like your reality was just fine, and then you find out the, the the underlying truth, and it totally redefines everything that you've ever known about yourself. Yeah, that truth slips in, and you can't see it the same anymore. Right, right. But it's it like it's like seeing how the magic trick works. You know? It's yeah. Like, it's, I can't unsee it now.
1: Yeah, it's and Donatello, you notice in that moment that. Michelangelo does the same I'm going to say an old saying but it'll make sense in a minute Um, Michelangelo does the same thing just in a very different way Michelangelo wears his on his sleeve Donatello secretly has been making lemonade out of the lemons that he's been getting his whole life and he realized in that moment they're like oh shit man I'm tired of drinking
0: lemonade. Right, fuck! Right. Like, all I got to do, all I got to show for it is lemonade, like, lemonade, lemonade, and lemonade's
1: not going to taste the same anymore. <laughs> right, and I'm, right. But I'm still, I'm really good at making it. But right, damn, right, in this right. moment, I'm tired of the fucking taste of lemonade. And I thought maybe for a second that I was could graduate to being a sprite guy. Or, you <laughs> know what I mean? Or like a fucking a pink lemonade guy. <laughs> right. and it's at like, least some Kool Aid. Yeah, and it's like, oh fuck, you know. So it's a really tender moment, but I. Throughout the three films, he's definitely the most consistent in who he is. Yeah. And he is very much so, like, he's the the anchor that they all need. And they pivot off of those, like I said, in the other iterations and the other, um, where he just becomes kind of like the dorky guy. Um, there's also a, a moment in the second movie where they come back and they beat up bad guys. And they all come back and everyone's like, radical, bodacious, this and that In the third and he can't think of one to say, so he's like, spacious! And they're like, come on, buddy, like, <laughs> you're better than that. So like they kind of oddball him out a little bit, right. but he's, he seems to be okay with it in the moment because he's like, "You." he knows that like my role, he understands his role within the family of like, I'm going to be the grounded one whether I like it or not. Yeah. It's a heavy burden to bear, actually. He's definitely the most well-adjusted. You don't see before. his yeah. tempers flare one way right. or the other too much. You know, he cries about the pizza having mold on it or whatever. But, like, he's easily, he is the hero on Song of the turtle. So, yeah. big shout out to Donatello. That is our middle brother, Matthew's favorite turtle. Um, yeah, Donatello is that I dude. wonder why, based on the personality of <laughs> you. Yeah. But, yeah, no, he's, Donatello's that dude, man. He doesn't get enough get enough love. Um, and now we'll talk about the blue turtle, uh, Leonardo. Leonardo, uh, he's the leader of the group. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's he's not. Not
0: according to the song, but they got that wrong.
1: Well, we'll get into that. Some people say... Okay, I'll spoil it. I'll spoil it now. When I always say, when I make the joke about who's your favorite Ninja Turtle, there is no wrong answer, but there is a correct answer. The correct answer is Raphael. (laughs) I'm going to circle back to him and save what I would like to call the best for last. And those who are true turtle heads will already know what I'm talking about. So... Anytime somebody says Raphael, they always say it like, Am I always your favorite turtle? And they go, Raphael. I'm like, fucking high five, dude. Because they say it with such confidence. Like, yeah, like any other answer is wrong. <laughs> so. Anyways, uh, we'll talk about Leonardo, though, who I, again, I love all of the turtles and I have appreciation for them because they play a very specific role. Michael, break down some Leo for us, please. The blue bandanaed, katanaed, yielding, wielding turtle.
0: Uh, I mean, Canonically, he's the the oldest of the turtles. Um, uh, he's always sort of been relegated, especially in the cartoon and um, in the in the movie version, to the leader of, of of the organization. Just in terms of, he's the one that's consistently setting down rules and constantly um, trying to enforce parameters and, and boundaries. That it's almost it's almost like a, like in D anD D. You know, you have the 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 lawful good. You know, like the, yeah. the, the like we have to adhere to this very strict code, and no one else can can ever go outside of it, no matter what. And there's no excuse for it. Like them, them's the rules. He he takes his his also
1: Splinter knows that he can treat him a little bit differently. He's a little bit stricter on him and Raphael for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But Leonardo takes it so seriously, and it's kind of like having a friend that's like you're all into something, but he takes it so seriously. Or like if you ever been in band before. Mm-hmm. When you have the guy who's in the lead chair, and they're constantly pushing you to the point where you're like, "I don't even fucking give a give a damn about playing the drums anymore, or playing the trumpet anymore." Like you sucked all the fun out of being right. a fucking ninja, dude. Like, right, right, golly, right, right. and he's kind of burdened with that a little bit. Leonardo is
0: of kind of being like, "Hey guys, anyways, well, go ahead. A, yeah, just he he's always overly cautious. Like in in the first movie, you know, he's he and Raf have a have a whole discussion about like why they can't." move out of the sewers and like, you know, like he's always, anytime raph does something, he's always coming down on him and and being like, well, why did you do that? And sometimes, you know, like when he brings April back, when Raphael brings April back to the, to the sewer lair after she gets attacked by the foot and, you know, Leonardo's like, well, why did you do it? He's like, well, because I wanted to redecorate a couple of, you know, throw pillows, a TV news reporter. I thought it would go with the decor. What what do you think? And Leonardo's like, all right, well. Fair point, but like he's always got something to say. He's always trying to keep the other brothers in check, and he he
1: never really turns it off.
0: No, No, he does again later in the movies. Like at a certain point, they all kind of
1: become interchangeable. Right, but it takes a lot for he has to really be in the moment and enjoying himself for him to turn it off.
0: Right, right. Well, he he shoulders a lot of responsibility, and sometimes a lot of that is of his own, of his own volition. Yeah, yeah. Unnecessarily, he puts you know. it, it's up to him to carry not only his cross but everybody else's. So, yeah. um, I don't know, but but through that he's always looking through for approval. He's always looking for like validation. Do, yeah, yeah, validation. Like, did I do good? I did good, right? I did the thing. We did the thing, right? Oh, I, I did so good, right? Like he's constantly, whether it's through Splinter or his brothers or April or or any relationship, he's constantly looking for the thumbs up and the pat on the back because for whatever reason, like I I guess because he he bears so much burden that he's constantly needing some sort of gold star about it or some sort of like, yes, that's the reason why you do this so that we can... Pat you on the back and say good job. You know he also needs
1: all of this, sh- all of the effort that he puts in. He needs it to mean something. He, he can't just be like, right. I'm busting y'all's ass all the time. You know, it's like I, there's got to be a reason why I'm doing this. And so when he gets those moments, he's like, all right, I see. Like I told you, right, right. And even like later on, this is why we'll get into Raphael's dark side a little bit. Like when, when um, Raphael does bring April O'Neil back to the lair, and the, she finds out that the Foot Clan followed him back. And that leads to Splinter being captured. Right, right. And stuff like that. And that's when we were talking about earlier, Raphael's just like, fuck, without saying. it. just screams at the camera, like, Screams into the the void. Right. Yeah. And you can tell that Leonardo is frustrated with him in the sense of, like, these are why they're rules, dude. Right. right, Fucking, I don't like it any more than you, but, like, the right thing to do is stay out of it. You know? And it's like, man, fuck you. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he was right, ultimately, but it's like... There's no room for. There's not a lot of room for gray area with Leonardo. In, in yeah. Leonardo, right, it's, right, right. And in a sense, it's very much so Captain America in the sense of what is right to him is right, and he'll go tooth and nail for that. Yep. And what is wrong, he's just like, hey man, let's. We're not doing that. Right. Right,
0: right. 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 Yeah. He's. He's very. Very bilateral in his in his. It is either good or it is bad. There is there is no yeah. there's no exceptions, there's no but what if, there's no like but maybe kinda it's like no, you either are on the path of being a better person or you are not on the path of being a better person. Right.
1: And the problem that him and they, he's trying
0: to he's trying to force everybody to go down his way of being a better person, right? So and his, he doesn't his, his flaw, and he doesn't take into account that each one is very different, right? And, and they know. approach things from different. And also, the world is sort of a is not black and white; it's sort of a gray area. Right. So, like you you have to have allowances for you know extra conditions or 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 a, you know a case by case basis of right. certain situations.
1: And like if he, if Leonardo had his way, he would. Prowl the rooftops at night, never being seen by right. humans, and they would come down, save the day, or some mugging, and then disappear into the night. And they could go home and celebrate. It'd be like, "Oh, look how awesome we are!" And that would be that would be fine with him. You know, he'd be right. like, "That's that's what we do. That's the duty. That is the task. That is our burden." And like, you know, and him and Raphael butt heads a lot. And right. both of their flaws that they share, they're incredibly short sighted. Oh, for both sure. of them are yeah. incredibly, and they 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 get into it a lot. Over yeah. That. Which we'll pivot to, but um, I think that's a very good description of Leonardo. Uh, but I will get into the correct answer here. Um, <laughs> is Raphael. Raphael is by far my favorite turtle. I probably am the most like either Donatello or Michelangelo, somewhere between them. Mm-hmm. But Raphael, in a weird way, I relate to the most, which... Um, is like I said, I would think you are probably the most likely Leonardo in a weird way, but also kind of Raphael at the same time. <laughs> um, but no, I think Michael Ant- or Raphael. I'm sorry, he's incredibly uh, the uh, side wielding leader. If you listen to the rap song at the end of the first movie, they very much so factually say that Raphael is the leader, even though he doesn't ask for it. That's why he is who he is, and why he is the way he is. He's like I don't want any of this shit.
0: Do you remember we performed that? uh that rap song for the elementary school uh talent show is that what i thought we did Nine point nine five. Oh, that was another song in the soundtrack but no we did we did t-u-r-t-l-e power yeah on the half show the heroes four in this day and age who could ask for more the crime wave was high with muggins mysterious all police and detectives are furious because they can't find the source of this lethally evil force Keep going. <laughs> your shell is hard, so you shout. They can't dust us off like some old coffee table. Since you've been born, you've been willing and able to defeat the sneak, protect the weak, fight for your rights, and your freedom to speak. Uh-oh. That was so well done. <laughs> you, you did that off the
1: top. <laughs> I don't remember a single word of that song except them. Yes, yeah, so call we,
0: April O'Neil and on the case. Hey, you better hurry up. There's no time to time waste. waste. Yeah, <laughs> we need heroes like the Lone Ranger, when Tonto, King Pronto when there was danger. Yeah,
1: <laughs> 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 yeah dude. Yeah, the fucking T-U-R-T-L-E. Yeah, we did perform. I was in like kindergarten when I did that. <laughs> yeah. The after school talent show. We can't use any
0: of that. It's all going to get put down. Nah, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Nah, whatever. We're
1: not making any, well, we're not making any money off the podcast. Yet, <laughs> but whatever. Um, no, Raphael, that was fucking awesome, by the way. <laughs> Cheers to that. Michael, like, well, you're the hero in some. Yeah, Raphael, though, uh, is incredibly headstrong. And his biggest thing is he wants to understand his purpose. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And he, it's really tough. He's so angsty. And uh, he gets—you can tell—it really reflects on on his. He has like this
0: anger, this pent-up rage, and it's this, very Gen X, like like I'm mad at the world. I'm just not sure why. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. And he's—they're
1: 15 in it, and the funniest part of Raphael is that by the end of it, he's—he's he's very teenager kind <laughs> by of by the third one, by the third movie. He's pretty much a 40-year-old, like, New York <laughs> union worker. He's like, I'm busting my hump down here in the sewers. Hey, I'm
0: walking here.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> go down to get a gabagool, you I'm know? working these 16-hour shifts in this sewer for you, Miriam, for us and our half-mutant kids. <laughs> and
1: I half-mutant kids. Hey, he's like, he really is, if you go back and watch it, a 40-year-old Look at union this. worker.
0: Nice clean water. Nature, I love it. It's so natural. <laughs> and then they clown him for no it. No tires, no dead fish. Yeah <laughs> turtles in <and> time. <laughs> oh man. He's just he's just crusty old union worker. He is like, I've been at the docks, they cut my pension. <laughs> I bust my height.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're making him Serpico now. <laughs> 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 oh man. Tell me more! Tell me more, yeah. The mayor, yeah. He's Cerbero ultimately by the third movie. <laughs> I mean, that was really fun to do. Expect those voices to come back as Raphael.
0: It was also kind of Cerbero, but also kind of like Harvey Firestein. Like, let me tell you about this city here. Yeah. Back <laughs> in <laughs> Studio Fifty Four <laughs> in the seventies. Picture me. It's Andy Warhol, <laughs> Madonna. Yeah. We're all blasted on cocaine off of yeah. off of Pablo Escobar's ass. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> oh man who should walk in but the thin white duke himself David Bowie oh my god yes
1: yeah that's that's ultimately who Raphael becomes Which, again expect these voices to come back several times throughout the history or the future of this podcast but um to get back to it though he is um he's he just wants to understand this place in the world and you can really tell that like he, he understands that like the outside world is never going to appreciate what they do and he, he has several lines of dialogue in all three of the movies of like why don't and it's just easy, kind of like a plot device for him to be a certain way, which they overuse by the third movie because now he's just angry at everything. Right, and he's just right. like, I'm doing this because because Leonardo said not to, and he's right, just like, right, right, okay, right, right. like he's not that. You know, they they miss the mark of the
0: character. Well, I mean, ultimately, it's in in a weird way. He's like, you know, Ariel, like the Little Mermaid. You know, like he looks up at the surface world and sees like you know. Whereas Michelangelo is is okay with the distractions of you know food and and video games and entertainment and movies and, and the culture of the world. Right. Raphael wants to be a part of that culture. Yeah. He wants to experience it and why shouldn't I, you know... Be accepted. Be accepted, right, right, right. Especially if I'm busting my ass and... and for, for for 60, 60 hours down, 60 hours down here the docks the... fighting these foot clans <laughs> on the docks for your safety, Miriam, so you can walk the streets right, at night. Right. <laughs> like, right. yeah, but like... His his whole perspective is why am I fighting for these people if I'm never going to be a part of them? Like what what's what's the point in all of that? And yeah. ultimately that's what makes him frustrated. And so like when he when he first fights Casey Jones and Casey Jones calls him a freak. Oh. And, like, yeah. He like It's a great scene by the way. It is, it is. But like if that had happened to any one of the other turtles, they would have shook it off and just brushed it off and been like, Oh man, that kinda sucks and just moved on. But Raphael is the one that no, you can't call me a freak. No, yeah. I, I'm a part of this city as much as you are, and yes, I'm different. But fuck you, we're all freaks in New York City. So right, right. Like you, you're wearing, you know, you're carrying sports equipment and wearing a hockey mask, fighting, you know, kung fu style, you know, vigilante justice. Fuck you, you're a freak. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, he, it's even also the sense of like, there's the mugging that
1: happens, and he he trips the the people that steal the purse from the. He leaves the movie Critters. He goes, he, <laughs> sorry, let me backtrack.
0: He goes up to the surface after he gets into a little... He's dressed like Humphrey Bogart with yeah. a like, trench coat and the fedora hat. Yeah, and, and he
1: goes up to go. He's like, whatever, I'm out. You guys don't... So he goes to watch Critters and his joke is like, Critters, who, who thinks of this stuff? Right. And he turns and walks off and the crime is high in New York City due to the emergence of the Foot Clan and the Shredder. And so somebody snatches a purse right in front of him and he trips the guy and they jump over a fence and they kind of duke it out. And right then Casey Jones jumps in after everything's been... They
0: break it up or whatever. And then he calls... No, the, the, the kids escape. Yeah, the kids and escape. Then, and then uh, that's when Casey Jones drops in. Like, man, what the hell was... Like, the kid's like, what the hell was that? And he goes, that was a crime, you purse-stagging pukes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but he calls him a freak, though. And he's like, dude,
1: I'm trying to help this poor lady. You're over here calling me mean names. Like, yo, fuck you, buddy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like fuck you straight up from the heart. Like he's, and in he, that
0: moment he's just like He's got a lot of pent up rage and like I mean like I said, it's it's I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure even he knows from whence it comes. He just knows that like I gotta get this out of me. Yeah. And like at at best he can try to direct it away from his brothers into like, you know, again, like violence on the streets, you know, pursuing vigilante justice, at least that's an outlet for him. Right. Like and while Leonardo craves order. Right. Not
1: only just like in his own personal, you can tell he needs structure. Raphael would probably benefit from it the best, but won't do it. He's, right. he's contempt right. prior to investigation. He's like, Yeah, I see what you're doing, Leo. That works for you. But like, fuck you, pal. Like, right, right, right. It's like contempt prior to investigation is saying that like you watch a trailer for a movie and you go, Oh, that movie's going to suck. And then you continue to
0: say, Oh, that movie does suck. You haven't even seen it. Like, right, right. You've seen literally 30 seconds yeah. worth of the movie in rapid succession. And you're like, That movie's not for me. And you're like, mm.
1: You're satisfied with your answer before you can have shit about it. Right. And he's he's a little bit stuck that way, which is really
0: how I am, like, internally. Oh, he's, he's very cynical and very, um, I don't, I don't want to say static, but, like, it takes a lot for him to crack his opinion about anything. You yeah. know, like, like, I think that Raphael, for better or worse, forms opinions about life and situations and, and people and he is not going to be the one to change that. Like, he's not going to just grow into it and evolve and change his mentality. You have to force him to change it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, very much so. He's um, He he does come about all of his lessons, honestly, but he does come about them a very hard way Mm. as well. Like, he's such a loner, and he goes up to the roof to just do karate and like, y'all, just leave me the fuck alone. And then the Foot Clan comes and jumps him. And he busts some ass for a little while. But I remember... This is why they pivoted so much in the movie, and we'll talk about how they recast April O'Neil and stuff. <laughs> he gets his ass busted, man. He he holds his own for a little bit, but then like forty like Foot Clan members show up, and they can they proceed to kick the shit out of Raphael. And oh, yeah. it's actually like for a, what is a kid's movie? Like, I don't obviously it's a dude in a rubber suit getting kicked around. But oh. if you just look at the humanity of what's happening.
0: It's pretty dark, actually. It, it, it forms the whole crux of the second act, which is Raphael might die, and the turtles are at their lowest, and so they escape to the escape to the you know the the farm up you know up uh, upstate. And... By the way,
1: I have this written down in my notes here. It says turtle farm playset. How come the turtle farm playset was never a thing? I would have loved to play on the turtle farm upstate, New York. <laughs> I have that upset me very much. I forgot about that in that movie.
0: I mean, they had eleven million other toys. They needed 11 I mean. million and more. <laughs> April
1: O'Neil's up <laughs> New York upstate farm hideaway. <laughs> play set. Um, but no, like he, he goes off to do his own thing because he's like, Man, fuck you guys and like and that's where Donatello kinda comes in, like where Leonardo he comes out of impasse. He's like, Fine, we don't need you. And Donatello's kinda there to be like, dude, you didn't have to say that last right, part. It's right, like right. and we were talking about earlier how Leonardo kinda needs a validation. And Donatello is kind of just like, he's like, let him be, let him blow off some steam, right. like, it's cool. Mikey's like, kind of, whatever, dude. Be, right. Go be mad, don't be mad around, don't kill my buzz. And Donatello, again, the hero unsung, like, is kind of like, you you know that this is how he gets. So why are you, you don't need that last comment. Right. Like, right. you you won, buddy. And, like, Leonardo's kind of like, right, guys? And Donatello's like, not really, dude. You're kind of the asshole, too, man. Like, you know how he is. Why do you instigate? Why do you continue to push? You guys are both dicks. Yeah. Like, I'm not. Is that what you want to hear? Good for you? You you got the last word in. Right, right, right. Right. And that's where Leonardo doesn't realize his shortcomings, where Raphael at least wears his on his sleeves. And if you give him shit about it, he's like,
0: fine then, whatever, I'm out. Right. Which, again, is incredibly short-sighted yeah, and, and you know, immature and not the way that you handle like a difference of opinion. Just somebody being like, well, I think you're wrong. Well, fine, fuck you, I'll do it myself. Like, alright. Like, yeah. I'm sure there's a compromise there somewhere yeah. between the two extremes. And Raphael, the difference between him and Leonardo in their short-sightedness is
1: Leonardo doesn't understand the difference between being right and being happy. Right. He thinks the two... I think that he thinks the two might be synonymous. And, like, he has to get the last word in it. He can only be happy if he feels that he's in the right. And Raphael's like, fuck it. I'm not happy and I'll be wrong. I don't give a shit. Whatever. Right, right And, like, right, right. at least he kind of wears it on his sleeve of, like, whatever, I'm the asshole. Yeah, cool. yeah. Indeed. And he takes it to that level sometimes. We all know somebody that, like, you're trying to give them honest critique and then they'll shut down. and But, fine, I'm the asshole. And you're like, dude, I'm not saying that. Like, I'm trying to just have a talk with you, buddy. Right, right. So, um... All that being said, all of these personalities, it it really is wonderfully wonderfully crafted, Mm -hmm. and that is why, no matter what liberties they take in any of these iterations, there's a cartoon out recently where Raphael was like two times bigger than the other Turtles, and he was like the dopey muscle, and Michelangelo, you can't really change too much, because he's such a needed aspect, Donatello was still the geeky one, and then they did put Leonardo into that leader role, Mm -hmm. but like, the... That's kind of why they changed Donatello as well. It was like, we kind of need a different trope here for you. <laughs> right, right. So they kind of pivot a little bit off and on throughout. The comics remain pretty much the same. But, but like the dynamic of who they are as a family unit, being brothers, works so well that it truly does translate into new generations. Oh, and, yeah. Where you can take liberties and it's still like, dude, they're Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's fucking phenomenal IP. And <laughs> for all the reasons we just broke down... Um, because we have a platform to do such things where we break down our love for the turtles and why they're important to us is why it works man and it's it's, it's brilliant and I'm so glad I got to go back and watch these movies um, A lot of that was kind of diving into the first one which got a lot of flack for being kind of like a little too dark
0: and a little too close to the comics because I see I I, don't, I, 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 I could see the, the parental concern a little bit, in my opinion, it's a little overblown in terms of there, there's no blood, there's no it's not like it's it's graphic gory violence or especially compared to things that were coming out around the time, I mean like you just had Conan the Barbarian, you just had you know, aliens, you just had all this you know in terms of, of children's or, or, or family quote unquote programming or, or a, a family theme yeah, it's it, it wanders a little bit into the dark territory, but not really, not not enough to not enough to really warrant any major changes or, or major concerns. Yeah, ultimately, I, I agree with that. I mean, parents that are gonna be like that are gonna
1: be like that. They're the same ones that about violent video games. Right. It's just, right. but I think it's because they thought that it was a kids movie, and I, it was one of those things where you walk into it and you're like, oh, I thought this was gonna be for kids, and like I just watched it turtle get beat up by 40 dudes <laughs> right like and thrown through a window <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like thrown through a balcony window up top you know or a skylight or whatever like and crash 40 feet onto the you know earth like they fuck them up pretty good um but yeah so they, they kind of pivoted uh to go off of that movie which before i say anything else about ninja turtles 2 i have to give a very special shout out to two actors one is elias Coteus. Coteus. or Cotius or who is who's the guy that's on um SVU, I know, Chris Maloney. Oh, Chris Maloney, yeah. whos I'm gonna be mean, I love you, dude. Who's a, looks like a broke man's Chris Maloney. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, he's the
0: wish list Chris Maloney, yeah. No, he's a good actor, he's been in he fucking is. everything. He was in Thin Red Line, he was in... I'm um, giving him shit, but he's yeah, a really yeah. good actor. But right? he played Casey Jones, yeah, he yeah, did a really, Casey really Jones. good job. So I couldn't just say that
1: joke, it was a really mean joke, if I'm like, <laughs> he's a broke man's fucking Chris Maloney. What? Ah, go for it, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've said worse. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but no, he's he's been in fucking a lot of stuff, but um... Special shout-out to him. He's actually pretty enjoyable. Shout-out to April O'Neil. Uh, Judith Hogue. Judith Hogue, who was in the first movie, who was one of my first crushes, like her and Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Roger oh, no, Roger Rabbit. Sorry, Freudian Slump. <laughs> Jessica Rabbit. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Freudian Slim
1: thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Please. <laughs> exactly. Hey, man. I've seen what those lips can do. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, yeah, her and Jessica Rabbit, but I wanted to give a a very special shout out to one, Sammy Rockwells. Sammy Rockwells. Sammy Rockwells is actually, and I didn't know this, is in the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Whatever you want to say, say it. Whatever you want to do, do, do it. it. Got any cigarettes? Regulus or Menthols. Menthols? He is credited as head And that's thugs. his entire performance. <laughs> no, he says, he says one thing at the end to the Oh police. yeah, we're family. Yeah. No, he says one thing at the end to the police chief where he's like, there's a warehouse on... 133rd in Bleeca That'll answer all your questions. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But yeah, young he's, Sammy Rocks Sammy Rockwells held it down as leader, one of the leaders of the Foot Clan. I forgot all about that. <laughs> I know you have an Oscar, so you don't technically qualify for underrated performer. But I'm gonna go ahead you're and give, give it to you, you because you Sammy Rockwells and you need another merit of uh, of accolade or whatever or award. So <laughs> underrated performance of the week goes to Sammy Rockwell as head thug in Teenage Mutant Ninja. <laughs> Boom! We just did that. Now we can go talk about number two, Ninja Turtles two: The Secret of the. Well, before
0: we do that, let's take a. uh, Well, let, let's let's sum up Ninja Turtles one. What do you think, man? As far as like, what do you what do you want to rank it? And honestly, I again with the nostalgia
1: being what it is, man. Like, I love this movie. I it holds up way more than I thought it would. Um, it. It does play, it crosses the line, it toes the line just perfectly of being just dark enough where it does pay some homage to the comic books, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't know. It's not like, it's like, it is very much like bodacious, radical, but it's also kind of dark. Oh, it has time. very dark elements. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um And there's a lot more family drama in that one too. Mm-hmm. Um Stakes are a little higher, so. But it does do a good job of kind of towing that line of being like for the kids and like, do the Ninja Turtles who skateboard you know, eat pizza <laughs> right, uh, right. right So I've, honestly I, I forgot how good it was and I've seen this movie I, again, I have, I've seen it probably like five years ago or something like that. but I know as a
0: kid I saw this movie at least 30 to 50 times like yeah easily yeah, yeah, yeah. easily. I, I think aesthetically it it's really great. You, you, you get a lot of the sense of New York. a lot of it was shot on location and uses real world effects, practical effects. Um, I, I really like the, like the costumes, like the, it, to take a a character like the Shredder from the comic book who is, you know, ridiculous, you know, he's wearing the samurai helmet that's all razor blades and the shoulder pads and he's got the Freddy Krueger, you know, gauntlet or, or what like. Blades coming out the back of his head. Yeah, yeah, to, to take something that dynamic and that spectacular and then make it look Functional and cool in a re, in a re, uh, uh, real world setting. Kudos to them, man. I think that I think that the the creators and especially the technical aspects of this movie, as far as you know, the costuming, the animatronic stuff like that, really understood the source material and, and sort of understood the assignment and knocked it out of the park. There's a few pacing problems. There's a few editing problems, but for the most part, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot bad to say about it. It's it's not unenjoyable at all it's even if you're not a ninja turtles fan you'll be entertained by it it's got just enough quips and just enough jokes and just enough action and heart and and you know family drama to keep you involved and invested so yeah highly highly recommend man i read a review
1: and in, in my process of doing this uh, it was an original review where somebody shit all over it and they just they didn't get it and i think they called the shredder like a like, ultimately, like, a poor man's Darth Vader or something like that. Because <laughs> I thought he was super imposing as a child. Yeah. Like, oh, man, that Shredder's fucking rugged raw. But now that I kind of look at him, like, he kind of is a little bit. But he's also a ninja, man. And he's a samurai. Like, fuck you. I mean... You write something better, you Exactly. Stupid-ass article that only got brought up again because... I brought it up, but your shit's been forgotten in perpetuity. I'm still talking about the motherfucking shredder. (laughs) I don't even remember your name, Yeah, so you do something with your life before you shit on the shredder. That being said, we are going to take a break while I'm still on my high horse. We want to take a break and thank our sponsor, Pizza. Pork rinds
0: and pizza. It's good for the kids. And we're back. Thank you for our sponsors, Pizza and Pork rinds. It's what a ninja craves. Exactly. A line. He's like,
1: you're messy. He's like, you're looking for. What is he? He says something about
0: 122
1: and an eighth. Yeah. 122 and an eighth. You're standing on it, dude. No, he, uh, April brings home groceries. He says something about, like, you're tearing up the bags. And he's like, no, bro, I'm spelunking for pork rinds. <laughs> he, they turned Michelangelo straight to a California surfer. So, anyways, um, so the pivot from Ninja Turtles 1 to number 2
0: yeah and we can we don't have to spend a whole lot of time doing plot by plot but like i i think we did a good job of establishing like the heart and the 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 family dynamic of the first movie and how it's like the interpersonal relationships and then you just juxtapose that against a really great origin story that sort of tackles where you know the world that we're living in now like why things are the way that they are uh then we go into Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Yeah, it
1: was a $16.5 million budget, mm-hmm. and it raked in about $78 million. As a, the first one was about $13.5 million budget, and it broke $135 million in the nice. first movie. So, obviously that merits a sequel. Uh, I'll tell you, a lot of people do not like this movie, um, or a lot less, Um Part of the reason is is that the quality kind of dips in some areas. It kind of suffers bit. some of the bad sequelizations where they're like, "Oh, this is a cash hit. We have to act quickly before this window closes." And this is at New Line Cinema, and they um, and it was the same production company that was doing, um, I think it was Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street, and they were producing their seventh Nightmare on Elm Street movie in eight years. Yeah, so they were just like. Hit every nine months, cranking out on another yeah, one. Nightmare and shown, yeah, Nightmare 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 Shot. Yeah. So it was just rapid fire. So the Turtles,
0: the second movie, really fell into that. It literally came out, I want to say almost exactly a year to the date of the original's release. So, in terms of 1990 movie turnaround, or, you know, 1990s movies turnaround, that's really quick. I mean, you figure they had to do at least four to six months of shooting, you know, two to three months of pre-production work you know maybe two to two to four months of post-production work editing soundtrack this that the other the fact that you turn that out in less than 12 months really shows that you're trying to hit the strike while the iron's hot like oh we just made a boat ton of money off of this send another boat yeah
1: (laughs) pretty much pretty much um so it does do some things well it's directed by michael pressman we want to give the proper um Shout outs to people who the artists that are making these because we did the research. You hear that? Yeah, that's, that's research. research, that's what that uh, is. Uh, what's his name? Who was the um, Feldman? Corey, Feldman? Corey Feldman was released as the voice of Donatello, which we did not mention. That he uh pleaded no contest to some drug charges at the time, so some drug possession charges. Oh, is he
0: not the second? It, 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 he oh, no, oh. he's not
1: the second Donatello at all. Uh, oh. yeah, so uh. they released him as Donatello, which was fine, whatever. Uh, you don't really notice.
0: In fact, the producer we were—you don't reading. hear from much from the Coreys nowadays. I wonder how Corey Haynes doing.
1: Uh, yeah, I wonder. Hmm. If only. Uh,
0: the producer. Um, Goddamn vampires.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the producers, his last name was Gray, so I'm gonna call him Mr. Gray, was doing an interview with uh, Den of Geek, and they were saying that they they ended up releasing April O'Neil, played by. Um, uh, Judith Hogue.
0: Judith Hogue, yeah, yeah, and it, she became Paige Turco, it was the new April O'Neil. Which that's a whole interesting story and dynamic in and of itself. Uh, maybe we can get into it just a little bit. Yeah, but, we'll talk about. But, some but, of the but apparently, um, Judith Hogue, for whatever reason, was sort of deemed difficult to work with. Um, a lot of her complaints had to do with the six-day work schedule. But then she also was really standing up for all the Hong Kong stunt actors that were in the suits. Apparently they're, you know, like, her whole complaint was that they're non-unionized workers and they're literally just shipping them over three, four out of a time. They're getting injured, exhausted, and then they're just shipping them back and replacing them. So she, in a weird way, was adamant about the workers rights and so i kind of have to respect that a little bit like, yeah and they just deemed her difficult and we're like, yeah, yeah, then we'll bring her yeah, back yeah
1: and his reasoning was the same way of like Corey uh, feldman who kind of was released is that that one made a little bit more sense in the fact that like they're gonna redub this movie in multiple languages mm-hmm. and send it out throughout the world and he's like same and this is the part that kind of um judith hogue kind of the first april kind of suffered is he said, like, no one is coming for the ancillary characters. They're here for the turtles. Right. So, like, right. no one gives a shit who's voicing them. They're here because of the Ninja Turtles. So, they cranked out a script without said people and found um, uh, Paige Turco who's more a little bit more willing to play ball. And, yeah. and there we went. But, yeah. That was some of these interviews and some of the factual here, I'm not trying to get into it, but Geek, I read a pretty in-depth article. You can... I'm sure Google it pretty quick, and if you want to know, yeah, shout out to Den of, Den of Geek, Geek. Just trying to you know cite my work as it were. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were just saying like some of the It fell into a lot of the same production problems and just trying to do things fast. Well, and uh, also they're saying you're, Judith, Judith Hogue was also saying that it was too violent. They're like, oh, it's too violent for a kids' yeah. movie, and so they the the studio took a lot of notes on that and. They kind of pulled away and were
0: like, I mean, we're going to gonna
1: do this more kid-friendly,
0: more like... To, to her credit, it wasn't just Judith Hogue that, that brought that up. A lot of the parents' rights groups brought it yeah. up as well and, and claimed that, you know, oh, I brought my kids to go see a kids' movie, and here they are wielding swords and nunchucks, and they're, you know... Which, again, there's no blood, there's no there's no graphic violence, really. It's, it's all sort of very... Like, I, I've seen more graphic violence in a Shaw Brothers movie... But in the same breath, it's also that same level of cartoonish violence. There's more in fucking The Lion King. Yeah, yeah. But just case in point, you know, it, it's it's. I understand why the studio did that, but they didn't really need to. But the case in point, like they they essentially take away all of the turtles' weapons. Like you very rarely see um, Leonardo uses swords, and Michelangelo uses. Instead of his nunchucks, there's a scene where he's swinging around, you know, sausage links, and and um, Donatello, you know, fights with a with a squeaky toy, as opposed to his, you know, they they essentially remove all the ninja aspects and just turn it into cartoony violence. Yeah, like slapsticky, yeah, kind
1: of, which is is fine, but like their ninja abilities definitely take a a backseat in this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still do flips and kick and punch and stuff like that, but it's the weapons are gone, like he was saying. Um, and they double down on the camp. This movie really doubles down on the camp, the, the second movie, Secret of the Ooze, which is fine. It's just, uh, you know, it's not too far well, They touch enough on it in the first that it's not so far removed that you're like, oh man, where did this come from? But you mm-hmm. can definitely tell that there was a, a, a pivot in tone. Um, and even then, you can tell that at this point, a lot of the stuff was made for toys. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. toy factory. Let us not forget merchandising. Merchandising yeah, yeah. starting to play a big factor, in which this.
0: is one of the things that um, uh, Eastman and Laird, when they wrote the script for the second movie, well, they didn't write the script, but, but they, they, they had final
1: approval over a lot of it.
0: But they they basically wanted uh, a lot of the producers wanted uh, to bring in new blood, new new IP that they could get. Uh, uh, residuals are well the story is is that I, I think it's that they wanted um
1: and you're not wrong, but just to expand upon it, it's Rocksteady and Bebop were introduced in the cartoon mm-hmm. and one person says that one of the creators, either Eastman or Laird, one of them was down to play ball and was like, Yeah fuck it, bring him in, I don't care. And it was more amenable to mm-hmm. things. And there's check that bingo card. <laughs> um, and the Marcus other, uses a word he
0: kinda understands, understands can
1: use in context, but <laughs> eh. um and the other one was a little bit more like, no, Michelangelo would never say that. this mm-hmm. and not that in the third. Um, I think it was the writer of it, and it kind of came to an impasse. But he had a big disdain for Rocksteady and Bebop, because he was like, they're one-note characters, and they shouldn't be in the movie, and da-da-da-da-da, which the other side of that is saying that they brought in Toka and Rezar, because right. then they would be credited with creation, so they would get a part of all the... Um, uh, royalties, the royalties and moving forward yeah, in residuals yeah. for creating token race. Which arts. essentially, they're, really, they're, it was the Jim Henson Puppet
0: Studio, which is <laughs> right, right. But essentially, they're they're basically the same characters in, in terms of in the cartoon. Bebop and Rocksteady are two criminals who are also given uh, mutagen or the ooze or whatever it is. Like one of them turns into like a warthog man, the other one turns into a rhino man, and then they just basically swap those out in the in Secret of the Ooze for. The Foot Clan kidnaps a wolf and a snapping turtle and this basically use the same evolution process that the turtles went through to grow them into these monstrous beasts, but they have the minds of infants. So there's a lot of comedic slapsticker, you know, slapstick and, and in terms of hulking brutes with a child's mind and they, they, they speak in, in infantilisms. Infantilisms? Infantilisms? Sure, sure. sure. They talk like babies. Yeah. Babies <laughs> he says. <laughs> yeah. Shredder's one of my favorite. He comes out the door. Babies. Right. Oh, they resurrect the Shredder
1: because oh, yeah, they have the to bring him back. Right. They kick in the end of the first movie, they kick Shredder into a dump into
0: a dump truck in case he he's, Splinter. Splinter. Drops him into uh, right. a yeah. credit where credit's due. Yeah. Shredder in the first movie fucks the
1: turtles up. Yeah, he does. And then Z goes after Splinter and he's dangling on the edge and Splinter or uh, Shredder tries to attack Splinter and he lets him go and he falls into a garbage truck. And Casey Jones turns on the compactor. Oops. Oops. Yeah, oops. <laughs> yeah he fucking compacts him and he somehow survives that. Hey,
0: uh, we can't hang out because we just saw you commit murder, dude. Murder, bro.
1: <laughs> Straight up murdered that. Ain't dude. No hockey
0: mask hide, hiding that shame. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he's not that's I why can... he's not in the second movie. <laughs> he's laying low for a little while. That's what that, that's the cannon that we're talking about. <laughs> he had to
1: hightail it to Canada I mean, for yeah, a couple of months. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Shredder comes back or whatever, and he's slightly deformed in the face. He has a couple more scars, yeah, and that's yeah, about yeah. it. Um, yeah, but no, yeah. They, they definitely lean in on the campiness. And um, so ultimately, I guess they bring in a different April and things like that. And the turtles are kind of like, there's no weapons. And so it's all like one liners and being like playing with props or whatever yeah like if they hit somebody with their shell they're yelling out like bro you got shell shocked yeah. like yeah it's, it's
0: all stupid turtle puns and and quippy remarks and and in a weird way it's it's way more cartoonish than the cartoon ever was yeah because yeah. at least in the cartoons like they actually would you know like turtle flip and, and ninja kick and, and punch kick da 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 you know like they, they were, there was actual fight sequences whereas this it's all very much like every fight sequence can be broken down to the turtles are doing a mission the foot clan shows up the turtles use you know, slapstick comedy battle scenarios to win over, and then more foot show up, and then they have to leave, and then they escape, they right. live to fight another day, right
1: yeah, right Raphael say they double down on all the beats that work. uh Raphael again gets comes to an impasse mm-hmm. he actually I will say this though, you give Raphael shit because it's easy to be like, and maybe this is just me defending him because he's my favorite, he's the best <laughs> but in the in the in this movie, uh ultimately, they want to go figure out what's going on with the ooze. And um, and stuff like that, and so um, they're like his, sh- his shredder back, whatever, whatever. And um, Leonardo is ultimately like he does nothing about it. Ultimately, he's just like <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like we'll f- we'll figure it out. We're laying low for a reason. And Rafael's like yeah, fuck that. So he takes Kino, who actually should get the underrated performance of the week. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Eddie Reyes Jr. Eddie Reyes Juniors. Yep. Who? Ernie Reyes. Ernie Reyes. Reyes. Yeah. Ernie Reyes. Yes. Sorry about that. Yeah. Google Ernie him. Hudson? Yeah, Ernie Hudson. Uh, <laughs> either way, Google him real quick. He has quietly had a wonderful career. Um, he's the guy in the rundown with the Rock movie. Um,
0: but also, he's Kino. He's Kino, really yeah, he's from. Kino. He yeah. was
1: also doubled as one of the stunt and doubles for the Donatello suit. That's right, in he's, the original. Yeah. yeah, so he's yeah he was the dude in the suit. He's the fucking man, though. Uh, he's the, the young pizza boy who makes his entrance in this movie, who's very headstrong
0: and full of karate himself. Did I mention I studied martial arts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he infiltrated. One of, the, one of the greatest introductions of like, and we know his whole backstory now. <laughs> Pretty
1: much. And really what it is is they're rebuilding the Foot Clan. And mm. so they he mentions something because he finds out about the Turtles' existence. And so they say, oh, well, I can infiltrate the Foot Clan as they're looking for, the word on the street is that they're right. looking for martial artists all looking over the city.
0: Young teenagers, martial arts, yeah. you know. Especially
1: teenagers, he right. says. yeah, yeah. And um, so he infiltrates the Foot Clan, and Leonardo is
0: like, no, don't do that. And Raphael's like, yeah, that's actually a really good idea. <laughs> right. Let's do that. Right, right. <laughs> I'll go with you. And then they have that really great scene during the training sequence like Kato, or Kino. Kino, not Kato. Yeah. That's the Green Hornet. Yeah. <laughs> Kino fights his way up through the ranks to like, like through the whole uh, elimination process or, or through the whole you know, trial process. And then the test comes where. Uh, Saito, who is Shredder's second-hand man, brings him in and he, he shows him this this dummy that's got it, it's basically got a thousand bells like just that decorated hand, on it. Not know. a thousand, but like these jingle bells all over it. I mean, so it's it, a fair amount. Of them, it's yeah. more than two. Yeah, that's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, he gives him the task of you have to remove all of them without making a single sound. And oh, by the way, and he holds up a smoke bomb. He's like, and we do it in darkness, or in, con- in concealment, yeah, and throws the throws the smoke bomb. Raphael, who has been watching this whole time, then sneaks in through the smoke, and all you hear is like... <laughs> Smash cut to the smoke clears, and Kino's just holding an armful of, bell- armful of bells. He's got every single one off the suit, and he's like, is this enough? That's some gangster shit, though. It was, did. it was. But again, it's a really good way to, like show the ninja ability without actually like resorting to violence.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they you're right, they do that a lot, but it's weird they, they don't mind Kino doing Sorry,
0: it. I told that story in order to highlight how they're trying to yeah they take away do, from the violence. Yeah, They still
1: do ninja shit. And even Kino, they they still kick a good amount. Like Well he can do violence. Yeah he can do violence. But apparently the turtles can't. Because he's Asian. Oh, that's what that <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, again, they, but they double down on the same beats. It's like Raphael gets captured and then they walk into a trap and mm-hmm, must fight mm-hmm. Toka and
0: Rezar and stuff. And it's whatever. But. The, the, yeah, the revelation of, Sh- of Shredder as the main bad guy, like, oh, he's back. You know, yeah, he is back.
1: And Donatello being the smart, that's when they kind of pivot to him being the smart one again, uh, or they're starting to develop that again of him being the brainiac kind of nerd mm-hmm. dude. Um, He's like, if I was to plan a trap, given the layout of this dump and the geographical advantages that I might have, I would spring a trap
0: right about and the like. Right yeah, it's yeah. like, so he's kind of that dude. Well, and then later he's working with the uh, TGIF scientist. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, we're
1: on delicious chicken wing
0: formulas. <laughs> no, they're uh, they're. they're uh, he works with the with the, the scientist. I can't remember his name, but he was the the second in command on the Titanic. Um, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, it I don't know. We're not we'll, going to Google it. We're not going to Google it. You know who we're talking about. Yeah. We're not. You do your own Go research. Watch the movie. <laughs> but anyway, he's doing research with the scientist guy, the TGIF scientist, and they work out a reverse formula for the ooze in order to defeat uh, to defeat Toka and Razor. So we see that he's mechanically minded, he's engineering minded, he's architecturally minded like he's turning into the Uber geek and yeah. and Michelangelo definitely like I think he has a whole like skateboarding sequence where he's riding through and nunchucking people and yep. yeah 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 yep. so they're leaning way more into the more radical elements of the turtles personalities Yeah no they are.
1: they are they they they've kind of pivoted in their they're starting. They kind of like they're doing in the MCU now, where the comics are starting to imitate the movies. Yes, like, in my opinion, is kind of a bad idea. But that's a whole different podcast. I mean, it's all about synchronicity. You, yeah, you got to link up all aspects of your of your IP. I get it, but at the same time, let them be different for because diff- you can tell different stories. But here nor there. But um, this movie starts to kind of congeal along with the cartoon a little bit more in the sense of their personalities that they have in the cartoon that people are more familiar with. Mm-hmm. They kind of are like we're doing that and not necessarily. Which, even then, they still keep some of it, like,
0: you can tell that Donatello and Mikey are still probably the closest the most of the similar, right, Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Like and as much as they hate to admit it, Raphael and Leonardo are, like, it's almost like they're so similar that they they still can't get along. Yeah. It's two A-type personalities that just are never going to be, you know, right. simpatico.
1: Yeah, yeah but it's I mean this movie's iconic for a lot of ways like again as a kid oh you're talking about Vanilla Ice yeah that's what I'm talking about <laughs> yeah Vanilla Ice is in this and
0: this is the we it. got iced he's gonna do a rap are you talking about Ice Cube Ice T no Vanilla
1: Vanilla Ice <laughs> who was coming off of his insane mixtape or actually studio album To the Extreme uh, a Like a and I know, know, that's like the name of the album style. though that's yeah right. To the Extreme uh, so they kept him and some of that hotness brought in some of that hot vanilla ice he Did one of verbiage. The, did one of the best mid-90s raps that I remember from my childhood. Go Ninja, Ninja Rap. Yeah, go Ninja, go Ninja, go Ninja, Ninja Rap. Ninja. And yeah, his flow was on point, let's just say, <laughs> the whole time. Both, also, both of these movies, like the way that they depict teenagers... Is like this dip, like, it is so freaking 90s. Like, it, it, it <laughs> Just angsty. And, and, oh, my yeah, God. It yeah. oozes Whatever,
0: Dad. You don't understand me, Dad. And, like,
1: the way that, they're like, what's cool? They're like, mm, skateboarding, mm, graffiti, mm, mm-hmm. smoking. Uh, like, it's like, if you were to, like, have a, a checkbox of, like, what's on marketing? Like what is cool these days? Oh no. What they, they thought was cool is everything oh, no. that is in the It's not movies. like they
0: asked a bunch of teenagers what's cool. No, no, it's what they, they saw. They asked the parents what so what are your teenagers into? I don't know, smoking, vanilla ice, uh yeah. both the movies are this like one that. likes skateboarding a little bit. He reads this Tony Hawkish magazine. They say Tony T- Hawkish. Yeah. Tony Hawkish. They say tubular and
1: radical. <laughs> and like, no one. Talk. I was alive during that time. We only talk like that because the Ninja Turtles talk like that,
0: or in reference to the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. there was never. It, there was never a point we were like, "Yo, dude, I totally just got an A on my chemistry exam." Radical, tubular. Yeah. Like it never happened. Never, bro. never, ever, ever. So yeah, as people oh, like, man. It, it was usually like, "Oh man, I fucked up that test." Like, "Yeah, bro, yeah, you did." Even as a kid,
1: like, "Awesome" was a big word. I mean, but you know, even like. It's so funny how we bastardize things. Like, even words like that of, like, awesome. Back in the day, it was described as, like, Zeus's awesome roar shook the mountains. And I right. was like, bro, those cheese fries are awesome. awesome. Right. Like, right. We just bastardize everything. Right, right. So no different in the 90s. So maybe it is more accurate than <laughs> Maybe it is. Hmm. Never, maybe some research on that one. The vernacular of the 90s. A, a, a take by Marcus. Um, but no, like But no, it's it, they lean it's everything is campy, even like what they depict as cool. Yeah. like the haircut I mean it's very like of its times, but Oh so
0: much, so yeah. much. It's it's very much the MTV generation version of the movie. Yeah. I mean it's it's frosted tips and fringe and cut off jeans and et cetera, et cetera. Like it's 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 a marketing wonder. Yeah, no, but it's
1: I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, the super shredder's pretty rad shout out to Kevin Nash yeah big
0: sexy himself big sexy which is funny dun, 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 dun. don't turn your back on the wolf pack dude. That's he's talking about a wrestling <laughs> reference so there's
1: three or four of your bingo cards. Somebody's, somebody's winning somebody hits some bingo call us up send us an email at whatcha been watching podcast at gmail.com also shout out to Kesta for the music at the beginning sorry about the plug Black there uh, but yeah, send us the also, email. Also
0: Facebook.com slash Deadly Bros Podcast. Yep, look for the fun, colorful
1: banner done by the great MKD art. Um, plugs. Yeah, plug, plugs, plugs, none. Sorry about that. Little little pivot, we forgot to do it at the beginning. Um, but yeah, um, super campy. They really lean into it. The the Super Shredder makes his official appearance, mm-hmm. who was became lore in the video games and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Shredder eventually gets transformed by the Ooze himself and is only in the movie for like Three minutes. He, he crashes down a dock, and then it comes
0: crashing down on him, and that's the end of him. And that's it. I mean, literally, Leonardo goes and pleads, pleads with the Super Shredder and says, "Stop! You're gonna kill us all!" And he lifts him up by the by the shell, I guess, or by the lapels, even though he does he's not wearing a shirt. And is like, "So be it!" And throws him and starts smashing the dock, and then. Of course, they all survive because they're on a dock and they're turtles and they can hide in their shells and swim underwater and Super Shredder dies. So, that's the end of the Shredder. Yeah. and uh, they, <laughs> That's they, a direct they, quote. That's
1: the end of the Shredder. <laughs> that is. And they say, like, "Well, let's, let's resort to our natural habitat or something like that. And yeah. so they go be turtles. And at the end... You forget.
0: We're turtles. turtles. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And at the end, the great line of, I've said it before and I'll say so, it again. Man, and I love being a turtle. Which is <laughs> a great line. Um, and then they do a callback at the end of the first movie. Splinter makes a joke. And he's not a comedic person. Right. And they all look at him kind of crooked. He's like, I made a funny. And then the credits roll. And at the end of this movie, the same thing. He makes a joke. And he's like, I made another funny. Yeah. <laughs> freeze frame you know, roll Freeze credits. frame as they're doing backflips. <laughs> so. I don't know, man. point being, the movie it pivots in tone a lot.
0: I still enjoy the second movie a lot. I mean, me too. Me the too. The nostalgia of it, it. There's definitely a difference. It definitely doesn't swing so wild as the third one. It's it's kind of more of the same of the first. Which, for better or worse, like yeah, I'm I'm all about that. And it it expands the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles world, the the cinematic universe just a little bit, just enough to like give you a little bit more and, and a, a little bit deeper understanding. Again, they they, they make advancements on the uh, animatronics and on the suits themselves, so people are more mobile, so you you get a lot more range of motion. I will say the first movie tried to cover a lot of the problems of the animatronics and the suits in a lot of, like, heavy shadows and contrapasto. I think is the word I'm looking for. Sure. Anyways, but, like, if the animatronics don't automatically match up with ADR, it was hidden in, like shadows and and shades and and contrast of light and dark. Oh, I think they just stopped the, giving a shit. The second the one is much more brightly lit and they definitely just stopped giving a shit and yeah. and they were just like, "Nope, we got it. One take. We're going to." We're going to dub this anyways.
1: Right. Like, no, right. One, yeah. I mean, it, you can't you hit the nail on that. You can't see the improvements in not only the suits but the animatronics, which I mean, the movie opens up with the title card in memory of Jim Henson. Yeah so yeah. like also shout out to big Jim shout out to Jim Henson you're
0: responsible for Dark so Dark Crystal Everyone's The Muppet Show like, Sesame Street like literally built my childhood yeah Labyrinth like, oh my god Labyrinth how
1: dare I forget yeah I mean all time Hollywood legend mm-hmm. you know so um, it, it is a testament to him it is a little bit of a love letter to what they can accomplish under his tutelage and kind of as it went into a new generation mm-hmm. so um, yeah big shout out to him um, so that the second one, I, I dug it though, man. It, it still scratches some of the similar itches, but you can definitely feel the shift tonally. Some people shit on this movie like it's obviously
0: a cash grab. Yes, it is. Of it, course, of it, course, it really is. But but at least it takes a, a valiant attempt at not just trying to be, not just trying to be a cash grab. It actually does make an attempt to give you the beats and measures that you love and the tropes that you love. It, it tries to expand the world just a little bit to give you a little bit more intrigue and a little bit more of, of storyline and, and characterization. And it is canonically, like, directly in canon with the second one. Like, not much time
1: has passed between the first and the second Oh, I think it's
0: literally like... Like, the next day. Yeah, like, uh, the next day, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it yeah, can't be that much longer. I mean, literally... They're literally retreating. The Foot Clan is literally retreating to the dump. Because they're like, this is the fallback plan. This is what the Shredder told us to do. Well, I mean, Shredder
0: emerges from
1: from the dump dump. pile. But apparently, that was their fallback point. So, however
0: long the, 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 the space of the movies takes place between however long it took Shredder to survive being compacted in the back of a dumpster to being dumped out on. A Staten Island dump. <laughs> so The
1: fog machine that they use there is awesome in that shot. <laughs> they have a sweeping shot of just trash with fog rolling mm-hmm. in like the moors of fucking Scotland. And you see the shredder <laughs> hand pop up again. It's rad as fuck, dude. Shout out to whoever fucking composed that shot. That shit
0: was awesome. I didn't know. it was like, damn, they fucking dropped some coin on this one. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. It. it the, the movie ultimately suffers from you can feel it's being rushed, obviously. Well, it, from from every sequelization. It's yeah. always we need it done in less time with less money. Like I think the budget went from, you know, twenty million was the first one, and then it dropped to like sixteen and a half for the second. Well it was
1: thirteen point five was the first one, and sixteen point five was the second one. So ah. and you can tell where it went, but they said that they were allowed twenty the in the interview I read at Den of Geek it was saying that they say that it was 20 million. He's like it was like 16 and a half like okay and we had much
0: less time I mean, maybe 20 million with like advertising yeah, and, and, and but it and wasn't publicity and stuff yeah. like that um publis um on the are you done talking about two? cuz we we got to talk three real quick yeah i know. mean it, I, I there's not a whole lot i can say like i said it's it's more of the first it, which is fine at least it's not the third one where they swang so wildly and went in such a different direction and just sort of homogenized it. And like, As much as the second one was a cash grab, the third one was a definite cash grab because they shot it specifically f- so that they could uh, market it to a Japanese market. Yeah. like, Which is why it takes place in feudal Japan and deals with time travel because they were trying to... At the time, they thought like that was the emerging market, like much like China is now.
1: Well, it's kind of if you look historically at Japan. I'm not saying this in a in a fucked up way, but like their love for things have been like rubber suits and things like that, whether it be Godzilla or monster sure, movies or sure, you know whatever. Like, but but they also the must have done well on the first and second movie
0: in in that market for them to to do this. But but again, to make it so specifically Japanese in yeah. terms of. I mean, they bring in you know classic uh, uh, classic Japanese actors, and 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 it's very much in the almost Ronin sort of Akira Kurosawa in, in a comic book sort of fashion way. Like like it's almost like if you were going to do a parody of Akira Kurosawa, this would be the movie that you would do. A little bit, yeah, yeah. We're talking about the great.
1: Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 colon Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time, where literally yeah. they, they go back to feudal 1603. Japan. 1603. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what it opens on.
0: 1603. so and it's I mean, you could probably... Which, by the way, credit where credit's due, the opening sequence of watching the samurai ride over the hill with the red rising sun and it's all uh, uh, silhouette. silhouette. Yeah, silhouette. It's very, it's very... It's, it's very, very Akira Kurosawa. And... and I, I understand like if the rest of the movie had been that, it would have been great, but it's definitely not <laughs> <laughs> they if they, they get rid of that whole
1: whole aesthetic really quickly yeah they double down or triple down I guess because the second one they doubled down so this would be tripling down mm-hmm. on the slapstick in this one yeah, and it's I'll say this i I've only seen this movie I think like twice as a kid that I remember mm-hmm. and I remember it being like. Eh, it's not as a, as a kid you still kind of enjoy things sure and so I I remember it not being that good I remember like not I was like I'd much rather watch the first one again or the For second sure. one again For sure but I think I saw three like two times I know I saw it in theaters and I was kind of like eh and I think I saw it on home video uh, probably much more than two but like I remember it not like really wowing me um but it is what it is. Also, the bar was really high between one and two. Like right. one, one and two were my shit. Like I was the target audience. I fucking played Ninja Turtles on the trampoline.
0: Like everyone was a Ninja Turtle back right, then.
1: Right, right, right. Um, now, do
0: you think that? Do you think that the? It's just that you didn't like the third one because you grew out of it, or is it because it was? I don't. I don't, don't want to say bad, but like it was so different than the other two that like it disenfranchised you a little bit or is it a combination of both I think it is that's a good question um, I think it is a little bit of a combination
1: of both and the fact that I remember it like I like them being in New York and I yeah. like them like they're that's the whole thing of them is like the New York tough and da 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 and I like I think it is though because it was something different mm-hmm. and I understand like you gotta milk it for what it's worth so like oh we're gonna do the same premise but in Japan this time let's see what wacky adventures they can get into in feudal Japan I don't think I knew the word for it back then, but I'm trying to do this without the gift of hindsight, but it's kind of hard not to. Sure. I remember, like, I didn't have the word for it, but I felt like it was kind of corny. You yeah. Know? yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I don't mind it being corny, but it was just like, and I think maybe I was a little bit older. It came out in, what, 93? So I was... Yeah. Just out of kindergarten. Oh, also
0: directed by... Oh, you it's directed
1: that? by... I'm sorry. Uh, written and directed by Stuart Gillard. Okay. So, just wanted writer-director to... yeah. credits. Shout out to you. Not shitting on your art. Obviously, I saw the movie Supported. Just saw it again. There's a oh, yeah, before. yeah, yeah. So, um... Like, he's, he's he's gonna listen to this podcast. Everyone will. I mean... If um, they, they don't already... He's one of the legions, apparently. He um, like, must be. Um, but, yeah, I think it was a combination of all those things, man. And, like I said, they definitely doubled and tripled down on the wackiness. Yeah. And, um... Yeah. It was kind of just like, eh, it just didn't really get me like the first one. This
0: this is where we were talking about earlier how they sort of blend all of the turtles into one personality. And like, in in the original movie, like we mentioned how like, when Casey Jones calls Raph a freak, it had to be Raphael. Like, that. in this movie, in the third one, you could almost replace any scenario... Any of the turtles are in with any other turtle and it wouldn't change the movie. Does that make sense? Like, like, yeah. it doesn't matter what happens to what turtle or, or who says what. They're all just sort of homogenized, wise cracking party dudes a little bit. And then what their person, their personality
1: becomes so one note. Yeah. Like somebody says something to Raphael when he's in the, the samurai mask. And he like somebody's like, Oh move you bloke or whatever like that And he's like Did you hear what he calls him sewer trash or something he calls him something right. mean right. right and Raphael's like Ooh why I oughta- why Why yeah, oughta- yeah, yeah, yeah yeah And it has and he turns into like we were saying the forty year old union worker down by the docks <laughs> in that moment. You're like, What the fuck? Like and he goes outside, he's like, Nature, it's so naturey, you know it eh? like Yeah, it's they all become very one note and Donatello becomes very like even geekier in this one. Um, Michelangelo doubles he comes back when they when they transport back in time Michelangelo naturally is riding the horse backwards and he's like oh mine doesn't even have a head bro right, like where right. am I going whoa who turned right, right,
0: his thing right. falls over his head he's like who yeah. turned out the his lights helmet, wow. like it's knocked over his eyes and he's like oh who turned out the yeah, lights it's,
1: yeah. so yeah, it's, it's immediately it's very it, it is very much like, Leonardo becomes very wet blanket and this mm-hmm. one is like mm-hmm. guys like I was like, Alright. Right. so they they and they try so hard to make their personalities distinct just by words and things that it all just becomes kind of like, eh. And then, like, during other scenes, like Michael was saying, like, you could interject them freely. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michelangelo happens to
0: be the one that gets captured, but, but it that, makes It, it no doesn't difference. matter. It could have been Donatello, yeah, Raphael, right. like, it doesn't ultimately matter. Like, every single one of them has a justification for, like, oh, that's why it would happen to that turtle. Because they're all the same. Yeah, yeah. So I will it's not bad. Like it, it's, it's a cash grab, and it, it's you could tell that like, as far as it goes, they were putting less effort into this one than they were for anything else. But I kind of feel like that was the point that they like. I don't know. I, I feel like the producers sort of understood that like, all right, we're scraping the bottle bottom of the barrel on this one, so let's just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. And. We can walk out gracefully and if we if it costs us, you know, like seventeen million or whatever it may be, and we make twenty-three million, we win. It was a twenty-one million dollar budget, made uh. fifty-four
1: point four million. Oh, so they totally. got their money back. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, Absolutely. It's yeah, like you were saying, it's it is what it is. And you can tell that the animatronics, like the movement of the suit, they finally got it right. They yeah. open up when you first are introduced to the turtles. They're doing flips and they actually like they actually do a little bit of whoever's in the suit does a little bit of legit kung fu and like
0: staff play as Donatello, like he whips the thing around his oh, neck, and, 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 and Michelangelo is whipping the, the nunchucks around, yeah. and you see Leonardo, you like know, actually, doing, you know, butterflying his swords and stuff like that. Yeah, like, and the, and the range got technique with the side and shit. Now the, like, the, the, the range of motion on the suits themselves is is notable, but also they're a little the, thinner and th- trimmer. They're too. a little thinner and trimmer, but also the animatronics like have much more facial expressions. The eyes are a little buggier now. I, but I will say as good as the animatronics operate, whoever they got to chose to be the puppeteers of that missed the mark because it's it it's almost like it's it, we're going to dub this anyways, who cares. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it's almost like they gave him more range of motion but they cared less about Making it look good, yeah, and so it's just—it's these—it's almost like really weird, wild faces, facial expressions that don't match what the ADR is saying at the time. You know how like Barney will do like his
1: mouth doesn't move, but he does like grand motions of like right. when he's talking yes, and exactly. bobbing his head. Exactly. It's kind of like that yeah. where it just takes it out of where you're like. Nobody would talk, say what they're saying and do that range of motion. Like, right. I understand, yes. Barney, you're you're playing into it because you're a dude in a suit who doesn't. But it. again, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, the same thing
0: here. It's like, you wouldn't talk like that and be like, oh, with your head and this and that. And like. Yeah, yeah, they're constantly, like, they, yeah, they, they look like bobbleheads. Yeah. They're constantly, like, the face is constantly in motion so that you never notice that, like, the lips aren't quite, although they're showing more range of motion and they're blinking eyes and they're, 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 narrowing their view or 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 smiling or whatever like yeah, more expressive yeah but. definitely more expressive but like the still the motions don't match up so it's it's almost like okay cool we got that on one take move on move on move on we'll just we'll match it in ADR don't worry about it yeah. the voiceover guy will get it yeah and they, they also all the turtles are quipping constantly
1: yeah. if they're not on screen but they're in the scene itself you hear them in the background constantly it, just which, as, as I've said before on this show, I do love me some bad ADR, so mm. it did kind of help me a little bit here. Um, as someone who never
0: shuts the fuck
1: up, it's way too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, ultimately, I'll say this. When I went back and saw this movie, as opposed to, like, I remember it now, like, as an adult or in the past recently, being like, oh, Ninja Turtles 3 sucks. And then, like, I watched it now and i don't know where i filled the gap in cuz i now that i think about it as a kid i remember not liking it mm-hmm. like as much because again 1 and 2 were really dear to my heart and i thought maybe like all right this kind of played its course by now but i mean i was still into the ninja turtles but like this this iteration of them has run its course by now so like i didn't hate it as a kid but like as i got older i filled in the blanks of me not seeing it with oh that movie sucks yeah and so yeah. i went back and watched it and i'll say this it's not as bad as i had made it out to be Sure, so I guess I remember it being dog shit. It's not dog shit. It's, no, it's, it's, it's not. It's but again, I, I was right in the sense of compared to
0: the other two. Well, because there's definitely such a, missing a, there, the mark. Yeah, there's such a tonal shift between the the second and third one. Like and even even compared to the first one, like the third one is way more wacky, zany, cartoony. It, it's definitely like a faster pace, like they don't let there's a certain aspect of they don't just let things sit like they do in the first one. You know, yeah. like like when Splinter gets captured and we watch the turtles come into their sewer lair and seeing the destruction and the chaos and there's a couple of establishing shots of seeing, like, everything's in disarray and there's a little bit of blood in the corner or, like, dirty sheets or, or whatever. And then we see their reaction and even though the animatronics aren't as capable and as, and, and as advanced as they did get later you still read the emotion on the turtle's face and you see all of their reactions. And the tone matches. And the tone matches, right. Right. There's a whole scene in the first movie
1: where um, it kind of... April narrates for just a bit. And it's when they escape to the farm upstate. Oh yeah, she's doing her diary. Yeah, Yeah. and they're doing her diary and they kind of fill in the blanks of what every turtle's been going through. And the trauma that they're experiencing from losing, ultimately, their father in Master Splinter. Mm -hmm. And she's saying, like, and this is kind of where you see Donatello begin to develop his own personality a little bit. Like I said, they hint at him being kind of geeky. He goes and fixes the truck with Casey Jones. Those two kind of bond together because that's what Donatello does is in his moments of... Of strife or whatever, he reaches out to someone else as a lesson. Right. Right. again, he Constantly is by looking, far looking the, for, for connection. And yeah, he is the most like,
0: self-actualized of the turtles. Like it, naturally, all, it, yeah, almost in, in like a, a, a. He's almost afraid to face anything himself. He always needs yeah. a sidekick or somebody to like judge where he's at in any given situation. Like, yeah. oh, as long as we're going through this, I can do it.
1: Right, and that's and that's fine. But in April, has this dialogue about like. And Donatello's begun to handle this in his own special way. Mm-hmm. And it kind of shows like Donatello is more than just the, the sidekick to Mikey and the ex, and kind of, he is very much so his own person. And Michelangelo, he's like, oh, and he deals it in his own silly way. And mm-hmm. she's drawing pictures of him and like says, and, and Raphael surprisingly, after saying that, like, um, oh, we told, he told Raphael, like, oh, go ahead, run off, we don't need mm-hmm. you. And then he almost dies. And it shows him sitting on by the bathroom door. Talking about Leonardo. Yeah, Leonardo, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Leonardo sitting by the bathroom door as Raphael recovers. Oh, and, on constant vigil. Yeah, yeah on yeah. constant vigil. And he's just yeah. sitting there. Like with he his, hasn't left his side. Yeah. yeah, not once. And it's a very real moment. And you kind of, like you, you were saying earlier, it captures the tone of everything as it pivots to... As you see the turtles through someone else's eyes. Sure. This movie, the third one, like lacks any of that. Mm-hmm. Two, yeah. two does away with that pretty quickly. You get a couple insights of those in their dialogue with Splinter. Mm-hmm. But like three is just kind of like Splinter's not even in it. <laughs> like, well, he's back in New York, and they've like mitigated him to like or relegated him one of the two. Um, to both work, sure, yeah. He's like a he looks like somebody out of fucking Mister um, uh, Rogers, like in the what's the when he sticks his head. The conductor, Mr. Rogers, yeah, Mr. Rogers neighborhood, the wonderful world of make believe. Yes, thank God. Dude, I, think of that. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> he looks like an animatronic in there because all you see is from his top half up, and he's just oh, hanging out oh, the oh. window. God, it took me a long way to get there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and he, he's just like hanging out the top window of the subway car, and like you never see him outside of that. Oh he, yeah, yeah. He yeah. looks good, but he doesn't do shit outside of that. Right, right. And right. he looks like somebody that, like, again, Mr. Rogers would kind of peel back and be like, "Let's talk to Master Splinter." And there he is, like, ah, or like a
0: Chuck E. Cheese fucking... Yeah, and, and in a weird way, like, I, like I was mentioning before, like how the ADR doesn't quite match up with the facial expressions. Like, it's like they got really, really good Chuck E. Cheese animatronics, but, like, they're just running through the motions, and all you hear is the recorded voice of being like, Hi, kids, we're glad to have
1: you here at our show right, today.
0: Right, right,
1: <laughs> And, like, in the first one, when Splinter, or in uh, Shredder... Had Splinter chained up, yeah, and he was all wet and shit. It yeah. looked like man, like he's been torturing the shit out of him, mm-hmm. like, and it's not blood or anything. But you're like, man, this is graphic. Whatever this dude's going through. Oh yeah, it's 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 so look, again like less sorry, but like less. The animatronics weren't as good, but they did more with what they had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And three is just kind of like, yeah, we have better range of motion. But we're just going to not utilize any of this. <laughs> we don't care anymore, <laughs> and we don't respect you as an audience. <laughs> So.
0: Fuck your turtle dreams. <laughs> so okay.
1: Uh anything else you want to bring up on three or nah man, I think that covers it, man. Yeah. We've been we've been hitting it pretty hard. Okay. So. Uh review uh
0: Ninja Turtles 1, what do you give it? Ninja Turtles 1, I'm gonna give it uh at least a solid 12-inch pepperoni pizza with mushrooms, green onions, and sausage on top.
1: And no anchovies. No anchovies. If you, you put, put
0: anchovies anch- on this thing, I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Turtles two. What do you review it? Turtles would... two. I'm going to give it a 16 inch Hawaiian pizza, but the dough's a little bit undercooked and a it's mussy. a little yeah, yeah. Like they they definitely should have let it cooked in the in the brick oven for at least another like two to five minutes.
1: I'll go ahead and review Turtles three. Turtles in Time for us. It's a cow
0: <laughs> I was just going to say that it's
1: a Stromboli, <laughs> but you didn't order a Stromboli. You ordered like. Right. a personal pan pizza and you're but like, it's cheaper you're like I'll eat the stromboli because yeah. I'm hungry right. but like right. I didn't right.
0: really order a stromboli right. or a calzone yeah so yeah, yeah.
1: app reviews at, all the way around yeah
0: yeah. Turtles 3 is definitely like the delivery service got your order fucked up like, oh, fuck I'm not calling like, them back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shit it's already 11 o'clock I'm not worried about Man, it it's all
1: right. it. well as I look at our half empty bottle of Courvoisier oh it seems we are out of time it seems we are out of time uh, we thank you very much for tuning in in our um, review and breakdown of a franchise that is dear to both of our hearts the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles saga where the turtles live on um, as always I'm checking out as MD3 for uh, The Marvelous Mike D as always
0: please go watch a movie and talk about it with somebody that you love Cowabunga <laughs>